Hi, I'm Ryan, the gunslinging player. I'm Ben, the brawler player. I'm Helen, the Horus Goblin player. And I'm Jared, the woo mech combat game master. Today we are going to be doing a let's play of maybe my favorite RPG of all time. I know everyone in this group adores it, but yes, it might actually be my favorite. We're playing Lancer. For those of you who have never heard of Lancer, it is a space mech combat game. It is super awesome. It is divided into two equal parts. There is the extremely rules-light narrative play, and then there's the extremely crunchy, rules-heavy, wargamey mech combat section. Narrative play is designed to be fast, fun, emotionally investing, storytelling, huzzah. And then mech combat is, you know... If you've ever wanted to play 40k with only one unit, like, here you are. This is for you. We, we, we have it right here. We're going to get started. So normally Lancer has you start a campaign, if you're playing a normal campaign, at what they call license level zero. License level is the closest thing this game has to a leveling system. And license level zero, everybody has the same mech chassis, essentially the same type of mech but just slightly different armament. It is designed to be a one mission training wheels. And then you start to get cool stuff for your mechs so that you all do not have to listen to us playing a game with everyone having the same type of mech. We have decided to start at license level two. So these are still very beginning characters, but just enough that none of them are going to have the same mech chassis. Uh, anything I left out that we need to let people know before we hop right on into this? Nothing I can think of. So in Lancer, in their canon universe, there is the Union. It is basically militaristic Star Trek. Resources are readily available to just about everyone in the core of the Union. It is protected. It is one interstellar government. In the core worlds, everything works just about that way and plays out nicely. In the Rim worlds, uh, things are hard. It's Wild West out there. Uh, there don't tend to be the resources, the matter printers that make life so comfortable in the core of the Union either don't exist or are limited in number and controlled by warlords or giant corporations. The Rim, not so good. Union, relatively idyllic. Rim of the Union, not so much. Why doesn't everybody introduce their character? And their mech. Tell me a little bit about both, who your character is, where they're from, why they are a space mercenary, and then tell me what your mech looks like, what it does, so that people can have a better feel for when we get to that part of the game. Ryan, start us off. Who are you? What's your call sign? Sure. My call sign is Saber. My character was a colonist, is a polite word, from a penal colony owned by a, one of those massive corporations that are really operating outside the union's influence uh, until the union showed up and shut that down and explained that doesn't work here anymore. That's not going to fly. So I learned how to use a mech and decided that, you know, that that's a pretty good motto. No human will suffer in bondage. That's pretty great. I'm on board with that. And uh, so, yeah, signed up for that. And what skills does your character bring to the table? Sure. So my character himself, pretty good in a fight and pretty good at figuring out like the situation 
socially around him and is is all right at um getting hold of things he needs uh on the down low and just subsisting my mech i'm in a a raleigh class mech and my mech is a gunslinger which sounds really weird to say for a mech but i have a bunch of different range weapons that require that need to be reloaded after they're used Uh, my mech is set up to take advantage of that so i can cycle through them and reload them and when i reload my weapons i get a shot with a different weapon so i am not as penalized by having to to constantly be reloading all my guns for those unfamiliar with the setting there tend to be two types of weapons here, ones that don't need to reload and ones that do. And the ones that do need to reload, it usually takes a full action to reload. And so they tend to be more powerful, but you can basically not consistently fire. And the Raleigh gets rid of some of that. That's what its special thing is. Mm-hmm. Helen, who are you playing? What's her call sign? My call sign is Gremlin. Does what it says on the tin. Gremlin, whose actual name is is Wenzel Hiram, but goes by Gremlin for all intents and purposes, she, her, was born on a comms relay space station orbiting a kind of out of the way planet that didn't really have, uh, like it didn't really have a big corp presence, but it really didn't have a union presence to speak of. It was largely an outpost. It wasn't really a great place to live for people who have standard human tolerances for things. So there were only a few people on the surface, but occasionally they needed to communicate with beyond. And that's where the relay stations came into play. So it had been a long time before Gremlin actually ever set foot on a planet surface. And that's really what she prefers, not being on planet being in space, being on ships, being in a mech, that that can be acceptable, but being inside of a large, dangerous machine full of moving, whirring parts and sparking wires and all the kinds of stuff that if you know what you're doing, you can really get into it, mess with it, and make it do some fun and awful stuff, especially if you know how to make it do fun and awful stuff and nobody can stop you. That's what she does. She, uh, she hacks things. She breaks into systems, breaks into drones, and uh, takes over them, makes them eject their cores, stuff like that. Fun stuff. What does your mech do? Her mech is a Horus Goblin. The Horus uh, lines of mechs are, well, there's a lot of setting material about They're the weird. Horus line of mechs. Yes. It's uh, it's possible that they those licenses and, and, and designs were created by a sentient AI that's kind of, you know, wandering, kind of wandering space and nobody really knows where they come from or what they're all about. But it's this not very large, not substantially bigger than a person structure that you're kind of strapped into and... It has hands for feet and it has weird antennas coming out of all of the different bits and pieces. And you're actually relatively exposed when you're strapped into it. You can see a lot of the wires and moving parts. And it's just very, very bug-like almost, very beetly, uh, kind of this dark blue with, with little orange bits and flashing lights. And what it does mainly is it's really, it has some pretty great sensors and it's really great at making tech attacks 
and supporting tech attacks uh, and giving you fun other things to do, like puppet other mechs when you take control of them or uh, project images and stuff like that. Uh, one of the other things that your mech can do, I don't know if you're going to have it do this, but one of the things that is unique to the goblin is it can attach to a friendly mech, essentially become a parasite that gives some bonuses to its host and some powers to itself while losing the autonomy to move and act on its own. Yeah, the, the term vestigial blister is used. So there you go. It's gremlin. It, you know, it, it's compatible. You got gremlins. So uh, Helen mentioned that this was a Horus mech. For those who are interested in this universe, there are four different companies that produce major mechs or produce the, the mech designs. Uh, Horus is one of the four. And they all have their own style, let's say. One of the four is wear big tanky mechs with lots of weapons. Uh, the Horus style is... Weird. We're weird. We're freaky. We're... They're specialists. They they pick a thing and they do that one thing very well. And do nothing else at all. A terrifying <laughs> computer sapience from deep space dreamed these up and has been seeding them amongst lancers with no apparent rhyme or reason. It is unclear how you get one of these licenses. It is unclear who else has these licenses. And it is unclear how you lose them. Except not being allowed to have them anymore. <laughs> it's real good. Um, ben, who are you playing? My call sign is Jericho. Uh, Jericho grew up on Warhammer 40k world would be a agri world or a world dedicated to agriculture. Um, just as your basic farmhand. Um, you know, he's going to grow up, live on the farm, live that farm life till one day opportunity came around for him to go out on the, um, in the military. And so he thought he'd check it out. And while in your standard issue military, um, being just another dirt humper, he one day got to play around on a mech and, uh, turned out he was pretty good at it. And up until that moment, he had never been anyone or anything. If that makes any sense. He was he was average. He was an average soldier. He was an average farmer. He had been, I mean, and not in a bad way, just he was just a guy. He was always a guy out of focus. <laughs> and so he uh, he took to that like a fish to water and is retains his just a guy attitude out of combat. But in combat is an aggressive risk taker. Tell us a little bit about what your mech's role is in combat. What does it do? So the idiot box, as is the name of his mech, is a close quarters monster. It is all about getting in close and then smacking you. That is all it does. Ah, uh, yes. And it takes punishment. Yeah, I'm like, is it the tanky variety or is it there to dish damage? Uh, a hybrid of both. It's a little bit of both at the moment. But uh, it definitely tends more towards the damage dealing side of it just by the factor of using a Blackbeard mech. can jump, get in close, and then deal a whole bunch of damage and stand there in front of you and make you look at it 
and hopefully shoot shoot things at it so it doesn't so you don't shoot at my friends. Uh, yeah, one of the things that the Blackbeard is famous for the harpoon. Yeah, it has a yeah it has a harpoon so it can harpoon enemy combatants to bring you or them closer to you and then it can punch a little bit above its weight. With, with this pilot, it can, because I took the feat that makes larger sizes count as one less larger size. For those who aren't familiar with the Lancer universe, Lancers are what in-universe people call the elite mech riders. These are the people who have the training and the flexibility and the natural skill to use multiple types of mechs. They are the elite even when you are license level zero, even when you are baby training wheels, the theory is you are a bona fide mech riding badass. Yeah, I mean, obviously you get more badass as things go. There are other people with mechs. Not everybody who has a mech is a lancer, but you know, the the people who don't aren't riding frontline equipment, aren't super skilled at it. They're grunts, right? Not you all. I say this to say that Our three players here are a mercenary outfit. They are space marks. It might seem weird to you that a mercenary outfit could be made of three people. But when those three people are Lancers, that's a hell of a mercenary outfit. To be fair, it's not just three people. It's three people and our mechs. Yes, which is a big part of it and your draw. Would you guys, before we begin, before I lay into our story. Would you like to name your mercenary outfit? Razor Syndicate. Sure. Well, okay. I, mean, I guess that's it. Yeah. That's that was very, very firm. Yeah. I guess Ryan thought about it. Ryan pulled up on mercenary name generator. <laughs> <laughs> Fastest name generator in the West. Well, the Razor Syndicate has been hired to go and to take action on the world Nylea on the rim. Nylea is a place that is only inhabited by people because of its natural resources. It is not a place that is really all that well suited to humanity living there. It has a short day cycle, about 18 standard earth hours with nine hours of sun and nine hours of darkness. But where it really gets uncomfortable is that this planet has an extreme axial tilt, which means as it circles its star, temperature on the planet is going to, during the course of its year, wildly vary. Winters that would make the worst things that happen on Earth look like spring break at the beach and summers on the other end. What this has led to is that the equatorial section of this planet is incredibly verdant and has a variety of wildlife and an amount of growth that is very unusual. There are trees that are 200 to 300 feet tall that get that tall in as little as 30 years. We're talking like giants, you know, 25 feet across, big big trees. But outside of that verdant zone, anything, you know, uh, approaching, not even near the poles, but like what on earth would be the temperate areas is desert 
or tundra, depending on where it is in the year. Not that there's no water, but water is at a premium anywhere but at the equator. Nylea is run almost exclusively by three major corporations. One is there to do logging and some light farming, but mostly mostly logging and is almost exclusively operational in that equatorial zone. The other two companies are mining interests. This is a weird planet. If you look at Earth and most of the planets that suit humanity's needs, the planet itself is mostly rock with some veins of mineral, right? This one is the opposite. It is mostly mineral with some veins of rock. This makes digging very hard, but also makes digging incredibly lucrative. Almost everybody on this planet is either an employee of or an indentured servant to one of these three corporations. There is simply no reason for a human who is not beholden to one of those corporations to be on this planet. You have been hired by one of the two mining interests, the one that had been doing better until very recently. It's called the Sumner Compact. And the fact that it is now not doing well is why you have been hired. Recently, over the last year, they have lost five of their big mining rigs. Those rigs are like on a scale, you know, we're not dealing with dune here. We're not talking sandworms, whatever, but we are talking dune size scale crawlers. Each of these crawlers has a crew of 45 miners. Dang. They are incredibly expensive machines and they have gone missing. That is not good. They suspect that the other mining corporation is behind it, but they have no evidence. You have been hired to do one thing, get their crawlers back. Find out what is happening, and if at all possible, get the crawlers back. If the crawlers are gone, if they are destroyed, then they want you to kill whatever did this. Be it beast, person, whatever. And they are offering you a bonus on the contract if you can get their miners back. They would love to have their trained employees back, because, you know, it costs money to train people. But if they can't, they want their gear back. Like, that is the priority. The gear, not the person. Here's the mission. It's nice if we get the people. Yeah, they'll pay you extra if you get the people back. They'd be really, really happy to hear that you got people back. But that's not why they hired expensive ass Lancers. So uh, are we clear to drop in here? Yeah. So the way you're going to be taken to the planet and like what they would like you to do and where we're going to start off the role play. Well, I have a way that I'd like to start the role play. Oh, great. Well, let's start there. And it's Gremlin hanging down from kind of an access hatch with her shins at like over the access hatch. So she's just hanging as if she were going to do an upside down crunch, but she's just hanging there looking at a copy of the contract on her data readout, going over it in what I imagine is some kind of cockpit setup in whatever is carrying us to the planet. And she will say to the other two, so just to confirm, how do we feel about fucking this court? I'd like their money first. Yeah, I'm all for the noble crusade, but- Well, I mean, I'm not saying that we can't take money from the corp. I also love doing that. I. But, you know, if the corp is going to ask us to get us something, I want the corp first and foremost to pay us and second, not have the thing it wants. 
As much as I agree with that sentiment, these are people who will go on our reference sheet. That just means that we have to be good at how we convince them that we've given them what they want without actually doing that. And I'm fine with that as long as we get paid and they don't kill us. Oh, okay. Okay. So the rule is don't burn the bridge, but it is okay to sap the bridge. Yes. Very right. much so. Great. I'm okay yeah. with that. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Just just remember that they control the planet. Yeah, that's fine. But it's one planet and it's all of space and they can eat my entire ass. <laughs> Alrighty. All right. Glad we have an understanding. So do we, have we ever gotten the details, Jared? Do we need to meet with somebody? Yeah. So what's going to happen? Uh, I mean, you have gotten, you have gotten as, as much details as they have right now. Sure. All of the losses happen in the mining area, which is either north or south of the equator. You know, this, this vast desert is where the losses are occurring. But most of the population of this planet and central offices of this corporation on world are in the equatorial zone, right? Are in that verdant, comfortable, water-filled area. And so you guys are going to be riding a space elevator down to the planet. There is a space station above, and you will be riding down with your corporate liaison. Okay. Who is going to give you all the information, and essentially, you have a blank check to figure out what happened. They need this to stop. The one thing you're not allowed to do is damage equipment or people who you know the corporation basically views as breathing equipment. Right. Okay. So blank check is in. They're giving us authority to, to go wherever we need to and talk to whoever we need to. But is it a financial blank check? Because I have a requisitions list. And I can promise that it's all relevant. <laughs> I mean, it's not everything, but you know, if you you're gonna have to justify it to corporate bean counters. But if you need an air car to go look at the desert, you've got an air car to go look at the desert, right? Oh yeah, my per diem explicitly states you have to remove all the green M and M's from the bowl before they get to me. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think you're that much of a rock star, buddy. Um, <laughs> no, right. I'm a lancer. Uh, <laughs> anyway yeah but i mean like it's you will be given what you need to accomplish this goal you know okay. if you tell them hey i need access to these three crawlers that you have in the desert even though they would normally never let people there they'll give you that access right don't break don't break the corpse shit without first putting in a requisition request with our liaison Yes. Got it. How should we expect interactions with other corporations to go? And is there a protocol? That's a good question. Is it a question that perhaps you were asking in character to our... That's what, that's what I was about to say. I was about to say, let's flash to you all are with the liaison in the elevator. Yeah. Which is definitely playing space girl from Ipanema, because uh, no matter how far in the future humanity proceeds, there is only one elevator music and it keeps getting recreated every few generations. So it's, it's girl from Ipanema with the synthesizer. Yeah. 
Dwang, 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 Which dwang, is something dwang. I'm going to look up after this episode. I mean, yeah. There's like a there's like a good nineties harpsichord synthesizer thing going on. Right. So Saber, uh, your pilots do actually have some equipment. It's pretty generic, but you have some options to customize yourself. Uh, he has an assault hard suit on, so he is wearing power armor. I mean, it's not huge, bulky power armor. He's still person-sized, but while he's meeting with this corporate executive, he's still wearing his power armor. Sure. You took the freight space elevator? <laughs> no, you took the corporate space elevator. Sure. It is incredibly sparingly, but lushly uh, upholstered. Uh, but it is big enough. It's not elevator size. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, it's 20 yards across. It expects its people. Here's the thing about the corporations. They expect the executives who are using this elevator to be accompanied by people in hard suits. Sure. Yeah. You are not just letting your corporate executives walk around without people in mech suits guarding them. So it is certainly upholstered for people in mech suits. Around the edge of the room, near the edge of the elevator, there is a series of, we'll call them couches, but they are made of high-grade metals. Sure. There's glasses to have beverages, and it's still upscale, but all of the stuff near the edge is made of hardcore metal because it is expected that it will be occupied by people dressed like you who would smash anything softer. Now, where the rest of you are sitting in the center of the elevator and where your contact is sitting, you realize as soon as you sit down that the couch you are sitting on is made out of real wood. Ooh. Not printed it's not fake. It is real maintained wood, which in this far off future world, it's a lot of money. Like a yeah. whole, like a person made this, not a not a computer, a yeah. person with their hands. A skilled workman made this, and even as someone who is a lancer, you realize this table is probably worth as much as your mech, right? Like that's Dang. the scale of wealth we are talking about. Sure. Wow. Or, or if not as much as your mech, close to it, right? Can't wait to see the state of the company town, which I think she might in fact say, wow, I'm sure that uh, the employees are uh, probably really appreciative of what their corporation can put together for them. Your liaison, a young woman who you guys can realize, oh, wait, are any of you carrying comp cons? My suit has a built-in standard one. But okay. it's not like, it's not a specific piece of equipment. I, you know, I have a heads up display in my suit. Well, any ComCon would be able to find it because she has hers on findable at the moment. But despite the fact that this, this young looking woman, I mean, given current technology, you have no idea what her actual age is. She could be a hundred. But this young looking woman who is your contact, her name is Delania. And she is wearing absolutely gorgeous, beautiful diamond earrings and a necklace. And you know, because you can see in your heads up display, it is her computer and control device. It is her CompCon. They will project a digital view just for her that she can see. This is not all that uncommon, but this is the high end version. Sure. I believe I have the same thing. I have data plating. Yeah, you have data plating. You have the same thing. How's up? Yours might not be as fancy looking as hers. It is definitely not. So for our listeners at home, CompCon is companion concierge. And in the Lancer setting, 
AIs come in two distinct forms. Non-human persons, or NHPs, are completely sentient AIs and have reached the point where they can make themselves smarter than we can. There are not many of those, and the ones that you run into have been restricted to prevent that. And then there are ComCons, Companion Concierge, which are the better version of, like, Siri. <laughs> well, they're what Siri wants to be one day, right? Yes. Yeah, like we're talking about the difference between Jarvis and Siri. Yeah, yes. They are partially sentient, uh, essentially. Yeah. But they're not in a position to... They cannot act independently. Yeah, they're not... They are not entire whole persons unto themselves. No. But they are very useful, and hers will allow her, you can tell, to basically connect with and control any system associated with the company. Right. And she'll look at you... Um, while Sumner does not run a charity organization, I assure you, and you can look for yourself, we have a higher employee retention rate and satisfaction rate than either of the other two corporations on planet. We provide plenty of entertainment, including much of it, at no cost to our employees. A busy employee is a happy employee. Right. So these other two corporations. Yeah. What should we expect interactions with them to be like, and is there a protocol? All of us maintain our own company towns, as your companion has called them. In an individual company town, the company that owns it is the law. In the few joint cities, there are sectors that are controlled by each of us, and our laws are absolute within our regions. Any delineation, any change in territory in a major city will be clearly outlined and also your comp cons will let you know the moment you are crossing into another territory. As you are official representatives, if you are interacting on in an official capacity with either of the other two corporations, you should let their security, safety, and hospitality units know that you have arrived within their territory. And is that territory marked? Uh, in cities, it's physically marked outside of cities your comp cons will let you know. And there are no disputed areas? She pauses for the first time. The legality of who owns what sector is absolute and laid down in treaty. I will admit that not everyone abides by contracts as fervently as they should. Grandma looks like she might say something, but then absolutely does not. Okay. Her eye twitches a little bit. There is, there is cur currently a HCD vein in the north that is a matter of some significant disagreements, let's call it. Is HCD the other mining corporation? No, HCD is high-capacity diamonds. They are diamonds who are essentially flawless enough and large enough that they are used as part of the energy capacitor, part of the function of matter printers. Gotcha. They are one of the few natural resources that are actually needed everywhere and aren't just luxury goods. What are the names of the two other companies? Sure. There is the Green Life Renewal Foundation, which is the logging company. <laughs> okay. And Space Freight and Invention also called SFI, which is the other mining company. Will those areas of question be prompted for us if we enter them? 
I'm sorry, I'm not sure exactly what you're asking. Uh, could you mark out that high-capacity diamond vein for me? Oh, absolutely. And she'll, you know, in your data packet, she will highlight where it is. It is pretty far in the north. Sure. This time of year, it is daylight almost the whole day up there. Okay. One thing that both sides are very careful not to do as per our agreements and our contracts with the union is we are very careful to make sure that there is no direct conflict between uh, the corporations. However, I'm sure you would not be surprised to find that there are individuals hired to do security on a secondary basis who sometimes get out of hand. They are, of course, punished, and letters are written in their file afterwards. Of course. Of course. Of course. So these crawlers that have gone missing, have they been near each other? The first two that went missing were both near the, the high-capacity diamond mine. The other three, two of them have been in the south, and the last one was in the north, but nowhere near where its fellows disappeared. There are critters out there, big, big critters, out in the open where you're doing, not so much in the jungle, I guess, but anything that we ought to be aware of, you know, I don't know, flying whales or giant mandrels that spit acid blood. There should be nothing out there capable of threatening a crawler. Okay, but like, what about, what about like a person though? If you are operating individually and outside of your vehicle, there are several animals you should be aware of. Most frequently found and most annoying is the desert hornet hawk. It is roughly bird-like. It's, well, roughly bird-sized and operates like a hawk would in our standard understanding. But it is an insect and has a stinger. It is not deadly, but it is incredibly painful and debilitating. When someone is stung, they are usually given 48 hours to fully recover before being sent back to work, which you know means that the person in probably should have three or four days, right? Yeah. 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 And they're all are also the fault snakes. They're not dangerous themselves, but the way that they catch their prey is they basically dissolve some of the metals under the surface where they hope to set their trap. And so if you step on a hole created by a, a fault snake, it will look like solid ground on the surface, but there will actually be a several foot gap underneath. For unarmored people, it is a very good way to break a leg. Huh. All right. Yeah, that's relevant. Great. Fun. Giant stinging bugs. As far as things that could actually affect a crawler, there are some megafauna that could do so in the tropical zones, but none that occur in the arid areas, which is where we have lost all of our crawlers. None that have been found. None that have been found, yes. Aye. In, in the tropical zones, we do have, we affectionately call them tree lizards. What they actually are is, imagine a 45-foot-long crocodile with 12 legs that is arboreal. You know, I don't want to imagine that, actually. That um, sounds but thank you. very dangerous. 
God, you know what I like about stations? The stuff that's up there is stuff that somebody brought up there. Controlled environments are the easiest to live in. She'll say it smiling at you. Okay, cool. Can we get the information you have on different crawlers that have been missing? And Yeah, she'll relate to you exactly where they all went missing. And, like, crew lists and everything. Like How how close are... Is it all in a small area? No, here's the thing. The first two that went missing were very close together. Kind of suspicious. The last three that have gone missing are thousands of miles apart. From each other or from... From where the first ones went missing. And... And each not, other. not super close to each other. Yeah, the two that went south, went missing in the south, are probably only a thousand miles apart instead of thousands. But yeah, and we'll be able to have on our data an overlay map that shows the other claims in these in just really just planet wide. If I could just get a map planet wide that identifies all of the claims on agreed treaty lines that I can overlay, that'd be great. And also biomes. Absolutely. Would you like a... You can tell that you have, the person you have been assigned is not a dummy, right? She is a highly capable fixer. She is not here to pawn off. Like, you know, <laughs> this is not somebody who they're like, deal with this person so we can hide information from you. It's like, hey, we've hired Lancers. We should assign somebody who knows what they're doing so that the Lancers can get their job fucking done. Right? Right. Oh. I assume this is something that is very easy for her to transmit to my HUD. Well, she'll even tell you, uh, I've gone ahead and included all areas where our security forces have engaged in or been engaged in extracurricular activities, Sally say. Mm. Mm. Again, keep in mind, these are not contested claims. It's just, you know, sometimes... When a security contractor sees another security contractor at a valuable area, tempers flare, and it's very unfortunate, you see. Right. Uh, you know exactly what she is saying, right? Yes, we do. We do. She's, she's talking about underhandedly corporate-sanctioned murder. Anyway, yes, biomes and uh, such would also be great, just in case. Yeah, that's all there. She gives it to you all. I mean, like... Gremlin is going to, to to go ahead and just scan all these things and start trying to make some observations about uh, locations. You can jump to other people. That's just kind of... I'm just going to start looking at my map overlays. Sure. And you've got all of their current crawlers? Oh, she can add that. Yeah, that's the thing she didn't think to include. Are these established routes? Obviously, this is not a business that I, I have any familiarity with. So these are high-capacity drilling machines. And are they all pursuing the diamond? No, there are different things, which is, which is why I'm saying there isn't a set route. There will be a set route for each vein that they are trying to deal with. But the veins change regularly because they are mining truly incredible amounts of stuff, right? It's kind of what they've been tasked to deliver today. And accordingly, they move to the correct veins. Right. And it might be like, oh, we're working on this vein for a week or even a month if it's a large vein. And so there might be a set route for a month, but it's not a permit. It's not, you know, 
all that predictable, if that makes sense. Uh, Gremlin is going to look at what all of the crawlers that went missing were had in their quotas when they went missing. Yeah, why don't why don't you look at that? Why don't you make for me? Oh, good gracious! How do we roll things in this system, Jared? So usually, what happens in this system is GMs rarely ask for rolls, unlike in a lot of systems. Usually, the player tells you what they want to do, and the GM tells you a what type of role it is. You know, is it a standard? Is it difficult or is it risky? And they will also tell you what the penalty for failure is. And then you decide if you want to roll it after you know what the consequence of failing would be. This is part of being a badass. Yeah. Like, you know, you say, you know, I want to hack the computer. And depending on the computer and depending on, you know, what security is like, the bad thing that could happen might be you waste two hours trying to hack the computer. Or the bad thing might be you set off a self-destruct for the base, right? Like, But you can know what that bad thing could be and still choose to do it because, you know, never tell me the odds, right? Like, And we should be clear that this, we're all talking about the narrative aspect when you're outside of your mech for all of these things. Yes, indeed, because there are basically two sets of rules in this game. One of them is a highly narrative, very limited dice rolling kind of thing, and the other is a mech combat. But I am going to ask you to make a roll here for me. Okay. To try and essentially organize the data that you are looking at and... You know, you just asked me for a piece of information. You're going to get that piece of information. Your failure here is what you asked for is all you get. A potential success is, hey, look, you noticed something while you were collating that data. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have any skill triggers or things you think might apply here? I'm going to propose something. I will say that she's gotten a lot of She's just gotten a lot of data. They've given her a lot because we have the whole dossier. And yes, we're Lancers. They want to provide us with the information that we need to do our job. But they're also providing it with, you know, the best of their knowledge of how do I present this data in order for it to be useful to someone else. And working with the vast range of possibility for what even a Lancer is going to know because we all have our specialties. And in Gremlin's case, her specialty is taking things and taking them apart and then putting them back together in a way that she likes better. So probably the first thing that she's going to do with the various data packages that she's been given is try and expand on them by tracking back to where they came from by essentially trying to hack backward into some of the nearer data sets that, that, you know, the data connections that are per that originally provided a lot of that data in order to find out some of the raw incoming and for not like the formatted stuff that she got. She wants to find some of the raw data so that she can look at it and then reformulate it into some way that she wants to use it. Which is to say... For our listeners at home, when you create your character, you take certain 
triggers certain phrases that basically you get a bonus to your role whenever you use them. This is aspects, right? This is the way this game uses aspects. You can either use the ones in the book or you can create your own. It sounds like Gremlin, the invent or create tag that Gremlin has. Actually, I was going to say uh, hack or fix. Because mm. I want to, uh, I see what they've given me. I see this put together package that they've given me. And this is all very nice, but I don't want this. I want the unpolished, you know, equivalent. I don't want the XLS. I want the CSV. Give me the debate. Sure. Spot. Sure. Why not? And, and I realize they're not going to just give that to me. So I'm going to just go get it. Uh, if you fail in this role, you get the piece of information you asked for and no more. That's fine. So roll D20. We are looking for a 10 or up. Okay. Again, another symbol for our listeners at home. You get a bonus if you have a tag. And so basically they assume if you have never done a thing, you're going to succeed half the time. If you have done a thing, you might do better. There are some additions. Things can get harder or easier, but that's the base. All right. What did you get, Gremlin? 22. 22 is definitely a success. Huzzah. Give me your raw data stream. Yeah, the raw data, one of the things you realize, we're going to go with close being a relative term here. But one of the things that you quickly realize is that all five of the places where crawlers disappeared have been within 250 miles of a water source, which (laughs) on, on scale of a crawler is pretty darn close, right? So one of the things about data plating that that makes it very useful if you are a let's just say disreputable individual is that you can it allows subvocal communication and uh, it can quickly translate and communicate to other people that are on the immediate network which i assume uh saber and jericho are so yes they cannot because they do not have it they cannot communicate to you subtly but you can communicate to them subtly you know as as she's going through on her data pad and just kind of like doing what she does what will come across to them is fucking knew it fucking knew it planet whales i think this goddamn rock already we haven't even been here which one would we like to look at first (laughs) most recent most recent would you all like to go to the city first or should I directly get you a high-speed air car to take you to the area? And obviously that will come with a guide. I'm fresh. Let's go, let's go, let's go directly to your... Uh... Yeah. That sounds fun. They can take us back to the city when we're... After we've had a look about it if we need to. And you see her face go... She just smiles and her face goes sort of deadpan for a moment. And Gremlin... As somebody with data plating, you realize that she is using her own data plating to yeah. give orders inside her head. She she she's doing she's doing the PA space out in the middle of a conversation face. So you all enjoy the rest of your comfortable ride down to the surface in relative comfort and making as much small talk with a company representative as you would like to. She's a professional. If the more you want to talk to her, the more she will talk. If you want to sit and eat canapes in this luxury compartment, then she's also not going to say no to that, right? She is here to be your liaison. And if there is nothing you want to liaise about, she is happy to sip some champagne and make small talk. 
Is there anything else you guys want to ask her, or should we keep moving to the first crawler site? I have nothing else to say to her. Sure. Yeah, I think we're good to the next crawler site. Same here. When you reach the ground, you are handed off to, we'll call him a security boss. You get the feeling that what he actually is, or would be called in almost any other situation, is he is a, he is military personnel. The security forces here are, you are sure, informally broken down to actual security forces. And then the security forces that sometimes get into conflicts because they're overzealous, right? Right, yeah. Yep. Like a hockey team. Like a hockey team. <laughs> does he manage the goon army or does he manage the defensive army? He's the goon army. He is clearly... Uh, someone who has seen combat before. He's got a lot of scars. He's got several replacement metal fingers. This is someone who has seen the sharp end more than once. Fair enough. He is there to be your guide. And you get the feeling that he is someone who is known all over the surface, right? Sure. If he shows up and says, talk to these people, anybody who works for this corporation is going to be like, okay. Yes, sir. Anytime, sir. Yep. Yeah. He is something that is pretty common these days. Uh, Not that this matters too much, but you can tell that he's a spacer. He is spaceborn. Oh. He's here for now, but maybe not forever. And one of the reasons you can tell is something that is very common among the spaceborn are names that are made up of multiple cultural backgrounds. Okay. People who live aboard ship, most of them came from somewhere not ship and then stayed there sometimes for generations. So you end up with a lot of... Gets real funky real quick. Real quick. Winslow is also spaceborn. By Winslow, of course, I mean Gremlin. So the security guys you are handed off to, his name is Rodriguez McGinnis. And he takes you to, it's an air car, right? It is designed for low to the ground, not on the ground, rapid transit. This particular model is made to survive some small arms fire. Uh, yeah. I mean, anything serious hits it, you're all dead, right? And you know that. But some small arms fire, this thing's going to survive it. He is not a talkative man. If you have questions you would like him to answer, he will answer them. He has clearly been instructed to be civil and helpful. But it becomes very clear in the first couple minutes that he thinks your presence here is an absolute waste. Yeah, he's not a babysitter. Well, well, not only should he not be dealing with you, but you shouldn't even be here because he knows who did this. He is 100% sure. I mean, I want to jump in the character. Hey, what's your take on this? It should be clear with anybody with two fucking eyes. There's only one damn other company here that cares about mining, and they're trying to take out the competition. They're trying to make us weak so they can get this van. It's Space Freight Invention, and I don't know why we're wasting time with you. We should just hit the bastards before they take any more of our things out. Authoritative. What's their What's their tactics? What's their... He'll... He frowns. This is one of those things where, like, a frown isn't even the right word, right? His mouth turns into a, like, capital upside-down U. It seems like the tail end of his frown, like, hits his chin. I can't prove how they are hitting the crawlers. I don't know. Mr. McGinnis, I'm 
I'm not asking for something you can prove. I'm not going to really hold you to this, but we haven't been on the ground at all. And I... Maybe they're sabotaging them. Maybe they're using artillery contained nuclear devices. They might be using... You'd be seeing some residue from all of that, though. I mean, there'd be some, I mean, heavy artillery. I mean, there are ways to clean that stuff up. They'd have to do it quickly. I don't know if they're doing it. One of my current theories is that they're using a portable railgun. It's a large piece of equipment, but no larger than the crawlers themselves. <laughs> That's Ben laughing, not, not Jericho. Sure. Hey, how um, often do they check in with base, these crawlers? Whenever there's a status change. So by and large, they're just out there and you might not hear from them. It's it's rare to not hear from them for more than a few days. So when they start heading to a location, we'll hear. When they reach the location, we'll hear. When they find the vein that they're supposed to hit, we'll hear. When the vein is empty and they are moving on, we'll hear. And if something goes wrong. Do you have like a central coordinate, central tracker, anything like that? Yeah, all of their locations are monitored by satellites. You know, that isn't permanent, but we have them essentially on GPS when we don't have them on, on view. What makes these attacks weird is whoever is doing them, you guys are here because I can't prove how it's happening. And so the brass doesn't necessarily believe that I'm right. Every attack has happened when our birds weren't overhead. So either it's an inside person or somebody with the technical capabilities to track the, our birds. And they aren't taking any satellites out or anything like that? No, they're just doing it when, when they're not overhead. All five strikes have been when we didn't have a bird overhead. Hmm. I'm sorry for what's going to sound like a silly question, but have you all thought about or have you already tried to geosync your satellites to the crawlers? Or their general area? If we do that, then we'll lose security monitoring over all of our townships and all of our heavy landers to take ore and stuff to orbit. I have been urging to do that, but the brass is of the feeling that that is too risky. And then a follow-up question in lieu of that, are you thinking about trying to make any uh, mandatory report-in times for these crawlers or anything? I'm trying to get a sense of um, what measures have... Yeah, you can tell from his face that he is angry when he responds. Yeah. He says, I want to do that. I wanted to make new standard procedure hourly check-ins. But there are those among the civilian portion of leadership who believe that we would simply be painting a target on the crawlers. Because anytime they check in, the enemy would be able to see that. Hmm. I have been forbidden from upping reporting time. Well, Mr. McGinnis, it, I hope that we'll be able to help here, of course, but it, at least for what little it matters, sure seems like you've been trying your damnedest and a lot of pay, pencil pushers aren't getting out of your way. Hopefully we'll be able to help change their minds. He growls and he'll say, there are certain resources that are mine to command that I do not need to ask for permission. I had single-man scout helicopters, two single-man scout helicopters, patrolling around the last crawler. I have them around almost every crawler. And I put certainly no Lancer, but some of my men have experience with mechs, and I put them in some 
frontline tempests that we had. Mm-hmm. And so there is a there was a trigger man with a tempest on the last one as well. Whatever happened happened fast and violent enough or technologically advanced enough that neither of my scout copters nor my man in the tempest called in an emergency. How long had it been since the last report when the crawler we're going to see now checked in? How long before its check-in and when it went missing or between then and now? After it had last checked in and before its next expected check-in. So we had expected it to check in three days after its its last check-in. It never it never called it. Okay. And you don't know approximately when in that period of time. I mean, based on where it was when it was when it checked in and where it was going, about how far along do you think it was? I think it was eighteen to twenty hours. Okay. We had it on overhead satellites at the 15-hour mark, and that's when the overhead went out of range. The next overhead was supposed to come in at 21 hours, or did come in at 21 hours, and the crawler was gone. So it went missing somewhere in that six-hour window. I'm kind of a farm boy, and sometimes we would use seismometers to keep track of different heavy machinery. I've also been told in the military, of course, that uh, these can be used to track explosions. Have y'all been doing that? As geologists, I would imagine any of your engineer geologists on staff would probably have a seismometer of some kind. The issue there isn't, did something happening? Noise from chaff. We've got 22 crawlers on the surface right now. We have 18 more testing vehicles that try and find future locations. We have all of the explosives needed to find and check those locations in addition to, and he'll check his, his, you know, comp con at this point, And he'll say, in addition to 349 land vehicles on the surface, there's noise. There's a lot of noise from the distance where this crawler would go. We can't tell. They were supposed to be setting off locations as they got close to find the best dig point. We certainly have readings, but since we didn't have a visual, we don't know if that was them doing the explosives they were supposed to be doing or if something else going wrong. I'd like a sample of all of that. He's happy to give you that data. I Let me see if I can do something with this. Fresh eyes. He, he will happily hand it to you. Here's the problem. It looks like an absolute mess <laughs> because, you know... It is a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. You know, you... you between all of their sensors, like all of the various places where they have readings and all of the various things they have doing things that make a seismic impact, you have thousands of readings a day, right? Yeah, sure. So it's one of those things where like the difficulty is how do you find it in the noise, not is there information? I might, with my Lancer stats and specifically my techie Lancer stats, Gremlin might want to have a look at it herself as opposed to just trust the overworked corporate employees. Sure. I don't think that this is hacking, but you have invent new devices, tools, or approaches to a problem. I think that this is inventing a new approach. Sure. I think that you will have accuracy on this as well. Huzzah. And the reason I'm giving you accuracy is because you have the right equipment to do the job and are in a position where you can take the time. So for our listeners, there is accuracy and difficulty, and you can have more than one of either, but it's unlikely 
What accuracy means is uh, Helen is going to make their roll. So they're going to do their d20 and add the, the trigger. But then they're also going to roll a d6 and add to that. If Helen had more than one accuracy, she would roll 2d6 if she had two accuracy. But she would not take the total of two dice. She would take the highest. But since you only have one accuracy, you're just going to roll your thing plus your trigger plus a d6. All right, then. That appears to be a 17. It takes you a while. This is a long and boring, this is a long and boring desert skiff ride, and she, Gremlin gets this data set and stops paying attention. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a 10-hour ride, you know? Oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah, you know, you'll stop every now and then, but, like, your vehicle's moving 200 miles an hour, but you got a long way to the, you know, this is a big desert planet, right? So, and definitely the spaceborn is coming out a little bit in her, like, why did we go planet side? Why didn't we just take a boat there? This is silly. <laughs> we solved this problem with geometry. We didn't need to go all the way to the ground and take the slow way. Taking the slow way gives you more flexibility on where to go after this, you know. Oh, you're absolutely correct. It's it's just that she's still not super on board with the fact that she's on the ground at all. Sure. So, so yeah. She's a spaceborn after all. She'll, she's just gone, basically. He, he, he transmits this data package to her, and that's it. She's gone. Occasionally, there are like little sparks uh, through her data plating, whatever, whatever of it is designed to be flashy and shiny, because she definitely has some of those as well as the subtle shit. And she's just gone. She's staring into space. Yeah. The rest of you are bored. I mean, like, there's, there's plenty of food and stuff in the back. You know, you guys are not going to be facing any hardship here. But it's, you know, it's a 10-hour ride. And it probably takes Gremlin seven of those hours, six of those hours, to make sense of this data. Mm -hmm. But eventually you do. I think Gremlin's first question, just to help kind of frame your explanation to me, is... Sure. I, in fact, know more about satellites and GNSS than I do about seismology, go figure. But I suspect for the purposes of the narrative, that one of the easier things that she will be able to do is figure out what are nature sounds and what are artificial sounds. Yeah, that's pretty easy. That doesn't take you very long because most of that has already been done for you, right? And you double check it, but... But she's also worried that they might phase out the nature sounds without giving them all quite a good light that might have been hit by the initial sorting algorithm and and they were just looking potentially for mechanical noise and they just screened out all of the the planet is moving and and shifting and doing all the things that it does geomorphologically but what she wants to know is was there a big ass critter in there perhaps out of curiosity that might have gotten <laughs> look okay I'm, she is I, holding out. She's holding out hope for a big ass critter. When you're trying to find, quote, the big ass critter, end quote. Technical term. Technical term. You do notice something. Oh? You don't think it's a critter, but all of the noises around everything, like nature noise, everything, around the bodies of water seems distorted 
distorted as in to apply to imply a greater depth perhaps yeah i mean like without going and doing some readings you can only make guesses about what exactly is causing it but you're pretty sure that all of those oases and you know some of them are are larger bodies of water than that but all of that water in the north is either there's more water than there should be there's a lot more water than there should be. And so it's either that it's a lot deeper than it should be or that it's wider than it should be. And you think the reason that this was missed by the corpo regulars is because they took the size of the body of water for granted and didn't check it, right? They got these they got these submerged underwater caves and just these oases are out here just kind of one spot where this underground sea reaches up to the surface. Right. And so, you know, their thought is, well, the oases haven't really changed in the last 20 years. They're probably not changing now. And they got lazy in that way. And you're pretty sure that something is up with them. Man. All right. Great. Fantastic. Startling almost in the sense that it is the first time in like six hours that Gremlin has actually moved. Kind of doing a stretch and like punching Saber on the shoulder lightly. You know what's worse than being on top of a planet? Being inside of it? She gives him finger guns. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then she will shoot the analysis of that data through her data plating to the two of them. Just something that I haven't mentioned to you yet that all of your characters would know. I don't think you'll need it in the near future, but... Just in case. You all would know this. Your mechs are in a combat droplifter on your ship. Oh, okay. Wherever you need your mechs, assuming that your mechs will fit there, you call them in and they'll be there in about 20 minutes. 20 minutes, you say? Ish, yeah. Okay. If we're going to need our mechs, y'all... Could we start directing the ship towards the body of water that's near the the missing crawler? Sure. I want to like put in the coordinates for to start sending the ship to get ready to orbital drop near that lake. Do you want to have your drop lifter be in orbit over it? I think just in orbit. I mean, if that'll cut some time off, that way we don't need it. We don't need it to drop the mechs just yet. Yeah, I mean, you could have it flying as an airplane in atmosphere. But if you needed it to go somewhere wildly different for some reason, then it would be in trouble, right? Sure. But just sitting in orbit over the spot means that it can make a pretty hard drop should you need that. I think that'll be fine. Great. What did you want to say about the water to your... Do you have any other questions? Do you want to say more? Do you want to wait? just wait till you can see it? She will ask, like, hey, how much have y'all explored the subsurface water system? The underground sea is very difficult to navigate. They usually are. There's quite a bit of pressure change and differences that can be dangerous even for our survey equipment. We have looked at parts of it where we have seen from surface scans that there are large amounts of important minerals. But by and large, most of the underground sea is unexplored. Based on your standing intelligence, do you have any reason to believe that your competitors have taken the opposite tact and 
been working on working on how they could expand into the underground waterways. Not that we have any evidence of. Okay. To say that they haven't. Both sides have secrets, right? Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like it would be hard to keep, we hit a giant eel railgun submarine monster in the underground sea, a secret, right? That would probably be a hard secret to keep, but never say never. That would be, that would require a greater intelligence failure among my people than I believe is possible. I, you know what? I, that absolutely. Yeah, I believe um, 100%. And he's clearly saying, I'm not saying that's impossible. I'm not saying that's impossible, but I would be more disappointed in myself than, than mad about it. Yeah, that's the sort of thing you should really notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How much intel do you keep on the logging concern? They are one of the three great powers on this planet, so quite a bit, but compared to how much we keep on SFI, very little. Do you know if they have anything to do with the underground seas? I mean, absolutely. That's how they kill a lot of the, the worldbender trees, but... The, I'm sorry, what? Some of the trees here are truly massive. Yeah. And extremely, extremely resilient. And rather than ruining large portions of the wood by using things like plasma cutters, which would completely dry out and warp all of the wood within three or four feet of the cut, a lot of the times what they do is they will mine underneath of it and essentially create an air gap between these roots and the underground water system and just wait a month for the 500-foot tree to die. And then it's very easy to take down. Hmm. Oh, wow. man. Man, this is going to turn out to be giant lobster monsters. I'm not ever coming down to the store. Because <laughs> you're going to have giant catfish thing, you know. Before we go the kaiju route, I do have one question. Yes. Sure. And frankly, it, it is an uncomfortable one. How secure are you in your operational security? Do you think there could be a rat? Oh, there are absolutely many rats. I assume and believe that we have found and subverted all of the rats that were in sensitive positions. But there is simply too much money being thrown around by both sides to assume that unimportant positions are not compromised. Because this just being your crews being hit without being able to even send off a warning signal sure sounds like at least in part an inside job. Agreed. It is somebody who, whether it's an inside job or through some outside means, has an incredible view of what we are doing. Exactly. It might not be an inside job. There might be someone with a military-grade satellite in orbit. I mean, but wouldn't you get pinged off of that? If it was a Class A modern satellite, you know, if it was a Union model satellite, nothing we have could see it. Okay, that's good to know. Then again, none of those should be out here, right? The only reason we yeah. don't have one is that those aren't commercially available. That would be its own problem if that existed. But I can't tell you it's not. I can tell you it's not. It's not likely. Yeah. No, I, hey, I, I appreciate the honesty. All right. When you guys arrive, do you want to see the, the water or where the actual thing went missing first? Let's see where the thing went missing. Yeah. Sure. As you are pulling up to where the crawler went missing, I don't know if you've ever spent a lot of time in the desert, but when you look at small sections of desert, 
you know, if you're on foot and looking at, you know, the 10 feet around you, there can be quite a bit of difference and it can be very beautiful. But if you are looking from any altitude at large swaths of desert, boy, howdy, is it boring and looks all the same. Because <laughs> all of those differences are at the micro level, right? Not at yeah. the macro level. It's just flat garbage, ecologically important garbage, but garbage. As you approach, you are seeing lots of that. And then all of you who are paying attention instantly realize that, you know, before he even starts to set this thing down, as soon as you cross over the horizon, you're like, oh, that's where it happened. Because <laughs> there is a patch, let's call it 300 yards wide, where the desert floor is a different color. It is much, much darker. Hmm. There's not a big hole. There's not a, you know, but you're like, huh. Everything else is this, you know, light tan color. And then right here in this like circle with a radius of like, and it is a circle with a radius of like 300 yards. It's a much darker color. What's causing this stain in the soil? Two things. The soil is, has a much higher water content than it usually does. And a much higher, there is a steel content here that is much higher. Gremlin knows this because Gremlin has read all the reports and sifted through the data, but the other two might not realize. This is such a high mineral world. Like, as I, as I said, I'm stealing this description from a book I love, but where a lot of planets have mostly soil with some minerals, this planet is mostly minerals with bands of soil. Actual steel is a naturally occurring element here. Ooh. There is just steel in the ground sometimes. Yeah. That makes digging difficult. It does. It's why they use plasma cutters. And so he, yeah, he'll tell you there's a very high steel content and a high water content. And he thought the water content would have faded by now, but it clearly hasn't. What kind of sensors do you have here? I mean, nothing on a permanent basis. I mean, now. I mean, we've got the birds coming over soon. We can get a pretty good surface look from the birds. I've got above average sensor equipment on this right now. And if you think that we need full on prospecting gear, I can get it here in a few hours. I wonder how far down the change in soil goes. Is the underground sea under this part or normally under this part? Not unless there's been a shift and he'll should pull up the map, but we're not that far. I mean, you're, you're maybe five miles further than the sea is supposed to extend. These exploratory blasts that you do mm -hmm. to try and find the vein. Can you tell me a little bit about that, that explosion? Yeah, we use low energy, high expansion materials to do the explosions. Usually you first dig about a 10 foot hole and then you, you do that to measure pressure waves. And if you see something that might be promising, then they will later do further extensions of their mapping with the explosions at depths of 50, 100, and 150 feet until we either prove or disprove that something's down there. I want to do, and probably part of this is Gremlin muttering to herself, and part of this is Helen muttering at Jared, but the Gremlin wants to now kind of go into her own head for a little bit, doing a bunch of geographical overlays with various geomorphological and to uh, topographic layers get some idea of whether or not there could have been a natural explanation for this, such as 
rapidly shifting bedrock and moving actual water because we're not talking about like aquifer water which is porous rock essentially we're talking about actual water in tunnels and and how perhaps things could have moved suddenly so she's going to kind of just go into that headspace for a while sure i would like you to make a roll the cost if you fail this roll will be you will make a wrong assumption Ooh, that's fun if you succeed, you will make a right conclusion. You're Well, you're going to come up with a conclusion either way. The question is, you know, success or failure, whether or not you're right. <laughs> that is typically how that goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be a difficult check, but not a risky one. For our listeners, risky checks, a lot more can go wrong, and you can end up with serious harm to the character or their plans if things don't go wrong. And difficult, the stakes are no higher than normal but it's harder to get the result that you would like. So you roll a d6 and you subtract this time. Oh no. Yeah, so you're <laughs> going to you're, you're going to roll, you're going to yeah, you're exactly what that said. Uh, would you like to pitch a trigger or something being relevant for this? I mean, I know what I would like to pitch is relevant for this. Well, let's see if I buy it. Okay, well, she's pretty sure that she knows what data she wants and she's not sure based on what this fine gentleman has been telling them that the various pencil pushers have tasked the various sensors that she wants to use to be where she wants them. Maybe she wants to see if she can retask some of the uh, sensors that she needs in the areas, you know, surrounding to uh, give her the information she wants. That sounds like a hacking role to me. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Don't mind me. I'm just going to access your without your permission so for our listeners at home helen this is a skill that she has invested in several times it is her best skill so she is is going to be rolling a d20 plus six minus a d6 and we'll have an answer Uh uh-huh all right i got a 16 okay so that succeeds despite it being difficult you can retask those sensors I just like the idea that she could have probably asked for any of this, but it's easier if they it's easier if they don't let her. Yeah, she's just like, I'm just gonna do the thing. Yeah, I, I I can't tell you why it would be easier for me if I have to do this entirely without permission. It's just somehow it works out that way. Wouldn't know what to do with the data if you just gave it to me. I have to get it myself without permission. Absolutely possible that this could have occurred naturally. Fairly unlikely, but possible, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because here are the things. There are these shafts everywhere. And particularly yeah. with 100 years of mining, Ooh. they're pretty careful not to breach and let the water in. But it's not going to take that much of a ecological thing to happen for you know the the last 10 feet of wall between you and the river to break and for an old unused tunnel to now be full of water right like that is certainly possible well and they haven't mapped it it is odd that it is all happening now it is odd that it's all happening okay she's gonna noodle on that she's gonna start wandering off quietly muttering to herself and kicking the dirt while she's doing that i want to look to see if they're besides the like the 300 yard radius spot is there any other like debris no Mm, 
Okay, something happened to the crawler. The mech should have been... It was on the ground, too. But there's also a helicopter. Why don't you make a roll for me? Actually. This is going to be a difficult check. Again, not risky, difficult, different things. And the cost of failure is going to be a loss of a piece of equipment. Okay. Can I use read a situation? Look for subtext, motives, or threats in a situation or person. Yeah, you're looking for a threat. Ooh, I got a six. This is our first failed roll, everybody. Ooh. Did you tell uh, me what the, what the uh, failure Yes. I did. It was a loss of a piece of equipment. Oh, no. Is okay. It lost in an interesting way, such as you drop it on the sand and then all of a sudden it just keeps going and is gone. <laughs> so the two of your gear loadout, the two things that don't make sense for this. The hard suit. <laughs> well, are, are extra rations and patch. Sure. I will let you pick which of your other four, four pieces of equipment you would like to lose. Well, I am wearing the hard suit. I'm, I'm here to tell you that, that you can pick that if you'd like to. Um, I assume you don't want to. I'll lose my frag grenades. Sure. You're looking around the edge of this thing for like, what the fuck could have happened to the helicopter, right? Like, okay, the other stuff's on ground. The problems we have seen are on the ground, like the circles on the ground. What the fuck happened to this helicopter, right? Sure. And you leave that 300-foot radius circle, and you see a tiny bit of metal, like real tiny, like bit of reflection. And so you kneel down and you pick it up, and it looks like it is the frame, you think, it's about the right size. You think it is the frame of a clip of ammunition. It is no longer a whole clip. Like the part that went around it is gone. Uh-huh. But like the structural frame, you know, the four metal bits that we wrap the other metal bits around, you think are, you think that's what this is. And you put it on your harness to go show the rest of your teammates, right? Like you, you clip it on your harness and you start walking and you start to notice that you feel lighter And you look down and the thing of this metal had touched your frag grenades, the case you kept your frag grenades in, and your frag grenades are disappearing as you look. You manage to disconnect and like throw them away so that, you know, it doesn't get the rest of your gear. But over the course of the next 30 seconds, your frag grenades disappear. What the hell? Like you can watch them. It looks like, it looks like they are being eaten. Uh, I assume over the data plating, like... 150 feet away, having wandered off to herself, muttering, Gremlin hears this. Yeah, you can hear it over the radio. Saber? Can I record this on my hard suit? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll record it and send it to them. Uh, something just... Gremlin just starts booking it over to see <laughs> if she can get there before it's all gone. No, by the time you are gone, all the grenades are gone, and there's just this little frame of the clip sitting there again jeez wait 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 wait, wait. so it, it 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 was sucked into the sand no 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 it looks it like dissolved. it was just yeah dissolved oh he should not I be standing on the sand well he wasn't on the sand he wasn't on the sand he wasn't on the sand no he was outside of the sand looking for remnants of helicopter oh do you have any do you have any scanners that can detect nanite swarms Oh, fuck me. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, um, hold on. Um, and you could hear him like at first, at first he's like, no. And then he's like, wait, yes, I do. Fuck me, fuck me, fuck me. Right. He comes back from the, the air car with a man pad man portable air defense system you know this is a super futuristic one but like essentially you know a surface to air missile Mm -hmm. shoulder mounted and he's like uh sorry this is the only thing i have that can detect nanite swarms and he starts like looking through the targeting reticle everywhere i'll gesture to the ammo clip frame he looks at it and he's like there are active nanites but they aren't part of a, a full swarm and they're under no commands. That shouldn't be. When nanites lose, according to the law, when nanites, when you build nanites, when they lose direct command, the second they have no command, they should just dissolve themselves. These didn't do that. Is there any way you can test them to figure out their manufacturer? If we could get them to shut down. I mean, I could bring a more advanced lab out here but you know that's going to take a couple days to set up but i don't know how we get an active nanite swarm back to the city without it eating the air car do you have something that will let us visualize map and stream the data to our gear nanite swarms in the area in real time as we're moving if i wanted to track concentrations of nanites and be able to map it as we go would we be able to do this? Because um, obviously here is a problem, but where else is a problem? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and also, whence? I don't have that gear. Cool. That's, um, well, maybe we can make it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give, me, give, me that, give me that thing, Magic. Here. Wait. And she... Wait. Like, grabby, grabby hand. Like, before you do stuff, he's like, I've got... So, go ahead, Ryan. Are there any active nanites over the whole wet area? No. It takes him a couple minutes to, like, actually walk, because he's, he's literally looking through the reticle of this thing, right? Right. Um, and he comes back with no. But he does come back with, since this thing has much better scanners, there is a lot of... I mean, metal particulates you expect on this world. That's just like an everyday thing, which is why it wasn't initially weird, right? Mm-hmm. But he is seeing a much wider variety of metal particulates than he should. With the new investigatory framing of there is an active cloud of undirected nanites here, it perhaps sheds new light on the situation. Yeah, sure seems interesting at least. Hey, I found what happened to your crawler. Uh, we'll take our paycheck now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, part of your part of your contact was to fix the problem. You have completed step one. I feel fairly confident we're, you're not going to get your crawler back. Just, you know. I'm, I'm also a little concerned you're not going to get your people back. Yeah. I'm more concerned about that, honestly, actually. Is there like a critter right here somewhere? You could locate a critter pretty easily. You have advanced scanning equipment. You have a friend with a hard suit. This is something. This is something that I think. Just to double check, these will consume more than just non-living things. Depends how they're programmed. Gotcha. I mean, they can be programmed to only eat. Like you could program it to only eat styrofoam. 
but these are but these are under their own directive at this time. Well, so what should happen? I mean, so so there 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 are two possible what could be goings on. One is significantly worse than the other. Not uh-huh. that either is great. But right. One, these nanites are no longer under any control. Yes. That's bad. That's bad. That's like real. That's real bad. bad. That is Sorry about your planet, gray, bro. Yes. It's an impending gray goo situation. Yeah. And the other is, well, they were given controls. And whatever was controlling them is now out of range. And instead of doing the auto self-destruct that they are supposed to do, they kept functioning under whatever was their previous program. Right. Which is bad, but not world-ending bad. Yeah, it's the... These these nanites are just... continue. They are a wind-up toy that has not yet run out of wind-up versus they have become a wild cloud of nanites feral cloud of nanites just doing nanite stuff and so so one of them if somebody has made nanites whether intentionally or accidentally that can function outside of control range that's extremely illegal they have broken one of the few capital offenses in the union there's like three things the union will not allow under any circumstance and this is one of them let's be real it's not just the union that considers that a capital offense. No, but I'm saying like the, the yes. union is 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 all about re, is actually all about rehabilitation. But like the three things that the union doesn't accept are like slavery, runaway AIs, and runaway nanites. Like yeah, yeah. The union will just read you the crime before it assassinates you for it. McGinnis. Yeah. Can I get the schematics for your crawlers? Absolutely. I can't show you the inner engine workings because that's... I don't care. Okay. And then as soon as you say you don't care, <laughs> it's in your heart suit. Great. Um, I look for an element that is a large... that is in a large part of the the crawler, but you wouldn't just normally find, you know... Oh, this is made from a zinc steel uh, alloy, or you know, whatever. Something that is isn't just like iron and carbon and copper. Something that that's a little rarer than that, but is used in here a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know enough about metallurgy to give you what it is. But sure. There's absolutely a. I mean, almost the whole frame would be made out of a composite material. Titanium. No, like some composite that's many, many times stronger, right? Sure. Because you have access to matter printers. So it's, you know, probably some combination of titanium, steel, and whatever else humans know about that they can make flexible, durable shit out of. Can you scan that? And tell me how much titanium is in the ground there. Uh, yeah, give me just a minute to change some things on my, you know, scope. Five minutes later, he comes back to you and he's like, well, not a ton, but a hell of a lot more than should be naturally occurring. <laughs> That's your crawler and your crew. Ooh. I think, it, I mean, he, he is stunned for a second 
and gets like an angry face. He's like, I think that might be what's left of them, but that's not enough component pieces to be them. Right. I would still like to know why it's wet over there. Still wet. Still wet. Was wet, still wet. Was wet, still wet. Days later. If you have if you have a pretty large swarm, right? Let's be honest. A pretty large swarm burrowing through the ground is easy. If they burrowed underneath here and geysered up a disassembler swarm of nanites. Yeah. It would hit the helicopter, it would hit the crawler, it would hit the mech, take them apart. And then they could take those components. And take them back down. And repurpose them for something. So the swarm could grow. If it's growing the swarm, uh, we're going to leave the planet. No, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. And, and yes, you're right. I'm. There's a glimmer in her eye, like... She can't tell if she wants that to be the case. But yeah, no, I know, I know, I know, yeah. Yeah. Or it's collecting it and it's taking it somewhere else. But the point is, Nanite Swarm traveling through the undersea. Yep. I'm going to radio in that theory. Uh, We're going to (laughs) put my security forces on maximum alert. You know what? Honestly, I kind of think you should get all of your crawlers. I'm going to order them to stay the hell away from what? Um, yeah, maybe maybe they need to uh maybe they all need to get to high ground. I think we're gonna take a drive over to that oasis and get in our max. Yep. So you all would like to be transported to the nearby water source and have your mechs waiting for you? Is that the plan? Yes. Yes, please. Okay. Great. Um I think we need to like over the data plating and where uh Mr. Uh, McGinnis can't hear just saying to the team I think perhaps our fee definitely needs to reflect that not only did they bring us planet side to investigate this they brought us planet side to investigate what turns out is maybe a feral maybe a directed nanite swarm that is traveling through the underground sea caves across the surface of this planet consuming their crawlers. How well are we being compensated, Jared? Not well enough. (laughs) I mean, probably the answer is, I mean, like, certainly if it's an undirected nanite swarm, not well enough because there is no such thing as enough payment for dealing with an undirected nanite swarm. That's just a go home and... Write a That's sorry letter. Don't worry, Jeez, man. Sorry about your planet. There are plenty of other planets in the galaxy. <laughs> we're just going to quietly blow this one up. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to collapse this one in on its own fiery core. Uh, we're just going to we're just gonna make the mantle, which is the any bit. We're going to make that an outie bit. And that'll solve all our problems. Because it's the only way to be sure. You're being compensated fairly well. You know, actual monetary whatever isn't... It doesn't matter. ...isn't discussed in the rule book. They're like, you know, five units of resources. Okay. Which is a lot. Probably our probably our best contract ever. Yes, for sure. That's why you're here. That's why the three of you came, even though, as we established in the beginning of our roleplay, even though you all hate Corpo Scum, that's why the three of you came to work directly for the Corpo Scum because turns out Corpo Scum has lots of dollars. 
lots and lots and lots of dollars. Well, and we'd like to entertain the possibility that maybe we can take the Corpo Scum's money and fuck over the Corpo Scum. However, comma, this appears to be the kind of issue where there may not be a way to deal with to fuck over the Corpo Scum without getting just a lot of people killed. So many. When you get to the water, your mechs are still not on the ground, considering you alerted your people what it is. But your lander is, let's say, 300 feet in the air, right above where you want it. Do you want to do some investigating first, or do you want to hop right in your mechs right this second? I think Gremlin would like to call down her mech. I mean, Jericho's definitely hopping in his mech. If, if for no other reason, then Gremlin, Gremlin's mech is... A sensor platform? A sensor platform. <laughs> yes. Uh, his... I just don't want to be not in my mech if there's an night swarm around. Yeah. That's... I mean, that seems reasonable to all the boys and girls. Right. Sure. So you all hop in your mechs. What next? Let me describe this place a little bit. For one more frame of reference, a loaded dice, the Horus Goblin frame, is one half size. Yeah. Your mech's about seven feet tall. Yeah, she's the size of a space marine. <laughs> Just a space marine. <laughs> Which is bigger than a normal person, but not the same size as your mechs. Yeah, both of the other two mechs are in the 12 to 14 feet range, because you're both size one, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you're in the 12 to 14 foot range, whereas Gremlin is seven feet tall, maybe? Seven and a half? It's a wee mech. It takes up the same amount of space on the battlefield as a person. It is larger than a regular person, but it takes up the same grid space as a person. Yeah, you can kind of see her in her heart suit when she is mounted in the mech. When you start to look around. So this oasis is like a lot of the oases in the deep desert. It is desert, desert, desert. Oh, look, some greenery. Oh, look, there's a pretty small pool that appears really deep, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The actual water is probably in a temperate area. You'd call it a small pond, 25 feet across. You know, it's, it's definitely big enough that, that you could, even your mechs could get in it right? But it is a deep, narrow well, basically. What would you all like to do? And there's a lot of shrubbery, but there are no trees, right? But there's like some green stuff. And as also true of our world desert oases, a significant concentration of living creatures, like mostly tiny living creatures, right? Water sources are hard to find. Things like water sources, Oh, well, if it's big enough, I'll actually uh, lumber over to the uh, the pool. Are you getting in it or just going near it? How deep down can I tell it is? Well, so at the center and your sensors, even your basic targeting sensors will pick this up. You know, it is, there is a shelf that's probably about eight feet deep. And then the middle, which you could fit your mech into, but barely, goes down at least 100 feet. So you could stand on that shelf very easily. But if you go in, you're going in. You could rig a harness to your lifter. It could get you out, right? Like, you could you could do that, but... Well, so as it happens, my mech has an EVA module. Ooh. Hey, look at you. So yeah, I'll, I'll go on in unless anyone else has something they want to do up here. Give me 30 seconds to just double check. 
the text of symbiosis. Do your thing, chicken wang. Yeah, okay. Hey, I might come with you and... Uh, Going to attach yourself to the EVA thing like a bubble? I Well, so I have to attach it to a mech. But if he's gonna go down, then she can attach. She can attach to him. Well, he's only going down in his module, but I'm gonna rule that you're small enough that you oh, can. No, it it's built into my Mac. Oh, oh, you don't you don't have one of the external modules. You've got that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, it's when I'm in low gravity or underwater, I can fly and I'm not slowed in my Mac. Ooh. Okay, so it looks like the two of you are going in. <laughs> Uh, and there's no, just, so just to confirm, there's no thing about, you know, I'm going to drown in this. No, it right? just says you turn into a bubble and attach to it. <laughs> I'm going to let you do that thing. Yeah. I, uh, so I guess, I guess what happens is that, you know, normally you can see her, but when, when Goblin kind of folds up and connects, it's almost like watching you know, those, those tree frogs that like are all legs and then they find a spot and they just become, become a sealed, uh, a sealed oval just stuck on the side of a leaf. And that's pretty much like all of its little antennas sticking out. It, it looks like a weird beetle and it's completely sealed to the side of the mech. So Jericho, you're going to be the only one on the surface. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, no, no EVA module for me. Sure. The other two are going to go in. Uh, I'm going to deal with them first for a little bit, and then we're going to, yeah. depending on how things go for them, maybe come back to you. Through through his HUD, uh, Saber will just hear, hey. <laughs> Hi. So the two of you disappear into the water until your mech got in it. You know, you disturbed some of the stuff as you got in it. And even then, it's not that clouded, but this water was pristine, right? As you start to go down it, you realize that it went further than the tracking system on your mech did. It is deeper than 100 feet. Sure. Oh. And it is, you know, it, it looks like a natural shaft. It is not perfectly round, but it is pretty close. And you go down, go down, go down... Gremlin has better sensors than you. Uh, Gremlin, you'll notice that once you get to about 120 feet deep, you are picking up, you don't know what it is, but you are picking up a large metal signature, independent, no heat source, but independent and more uniform than just the metal in the ground. She is broadcasting this uh, as best she can, I guess. What is her range uh, to broadcast being like they're in the water now? Can they even do they even still have comms with Jericho? Your sensor range is 20. So I'm going to say you can talk to that. So you're probably a little degraded from being in, you know, essentially a tube of metal in the water. But you still have comms with Jericho, but you're not going to if you go much deeper. Uh, 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 hold up. Hold up. Saber. Sure. I can, can she she's gonna try and like as she's communicating that what she's seeing to Saber and Jericho just get a sense of like what is moving in the water can how much visual data can she turn how much sensory data can she turn into visual information to try and get a sense of how this thing is moving 
Well, this thing isn't moving. It is just a big piece of metal not moving at all. Does it appear so like, as opposed to the metal signatures up above that were the nanite swarm, is this a solid chunk? Yeah, this is a solid chunk, and it appears to be against the wall of the tunnel, maybe, near the edge of the wall of the tunnel. Does it appear to be roughly the dimensions of the crawler that were described to us? Much smaller. Much smaller. crawler would never fit in here, yeah. Does it appear to be roughly the dimensions of a chewed-up leftover bit of crawler? Certainly could be. I mean, it's a little bit bigger. I mean, Saber could go inside of there. Like, this mech could fit. Jericho, I will almost certainly lose comms with you if we approach that thing, but Saber, there's a thing. I don't think it's nanites. Uh-oh. Want to give it a shot? Jericho. Um, I'm sorry. I thought I thought she said Saber. Yeah, I, yeah I'm talking to you, Saber. Uh, I know. Before we, we go any further and potentially leave you behind. Um, Do you have any way to get down here? Like, mechs can get... In, in water. They're sealed, right? Yeah, yeah. He just, he won't be as maneuverable down here as I will be. Oh! I mean, you will have to essentially climb your way out, and you will move at what is difficult terrain. You'll move at half speed. He can essentially fly and move around freely and move at full speed. So, you can go in if you want. Um, I'm gonna stay surface team, I think. I think that that's probably a good idea, actually. I mean, if they need you, you can drop in and you'll plummet like a rock if you don't hold on to the side. <laughs> right. That's kind of what I was just thinking. Yeah, you'll move towards the bottom pretty quickly. It's, yeah, I. it's going to be real hard for me to move up. <laughs> yeah, no worries. All right, well, Saber, it's uh, it's that way. All righty. I uh, lumber over towards it. What well, a lumber. I glide gracefully. <laughs> Yeah, there's a big, thick piece of metal that is textured that looks like, hey, maybe this was once a side panel for an egress, you know, like a door on a crawler, maybe. And it has been pulled hard against the wall. Almost like it was the part that broke off when something else was sucking the rest of it down? Maybe, yeah. Saber. I'm not telling you that's what happened, but that's certainly a reasonable conclusion one could reach. Do we need to get through there? If you remove that that thing, you certainly would fit. Gremlin is is making sure to record all of this and you know, broadcasting as much as possible back up to Jericho and McGinnis. And when she can't do that anymore, just still recording it. I mean, yeah, why don't we move the plating or we say we i mean you why don't you move the plating and we can see if there's a hole back there or if this is a porous stone situation uh is this a thing that can be moved normally jared if if it's suctioned in place i mean it's pretty heavy you're either going to need a blasket or make a roll but you can get it out i attach a breaching charge to it (laughs) right And then I fly back up the up the tunnel up to the surface, and then I detonate it. Uh, the water level of this this oasis. Well, first it goes up because yes. the mech that took most of the space did go swoop. And then uh, it goes and up again. Then it 
because of a boom. And then it goes way down and it starts to drain rapidly. Like you're pretty sure this thing is fed by the underground sea. It will eventually refill once whatever right. tunnel you have opened. But that means it's a dry tunnel. Yeah. Ben, since you're the one who stayed on the surface, and yes, you don't have the best sensor suite in the group, but your sensor suite is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's still, yeah, I'm still a Lancer. I mean, and, and even for Lancers, it's decent. You have decent range on yours. It's just not as good as Gremlins. Because um, none of them are. Uh, except for Kremlins. <laughs> I know things. I see things. But Ben, since you're the one who is who does not have water sloughing off and we're not, like, you know, as close to the explosion, you notice this first. You are hearing a rushing noise, which is weird. Uh, where's it coming from? Below you, in the water, which doesn't make sense. You don't think you should hear a rushing sound if it's filling a dry tunnel. The water level shouldn't be going down if it's not a dry tunnel. That's fucking weird. Uh, I mean, Jericho knows he's kind of yelling into the void, but he will say, guys, something's rushing towards you, I think. No, I mean, it sounds like... like. Well, and we're out, right? You're out. He just picked up on it first. It doesn't sound like something is moving towards you. It just sounds like a maybe a draining sound. But that's weird because if it's a tunnel, you shouldn't hear that, right? Yeah. Certainly not from 100 feet away. No. All right. Well, I guess I start climbing back down. Unless it, the, the hole still has water in it. The hole still st- does still have water in it. I mean, the level's gone down 30 or 40 feet, but... Sure. Well, then I, I will get to that point and then... Sure. Uh, I assume you're still riding along, Gremlin? Oh, yeah. No, I have definitely not got off. When you reach the place where you just blew the paneling from, you see a site that shocks you. The water is flowing into the tunnel. It is a dry tunnel. There is also a pump suction system pulling all of the rushing water in to keep the tunnel empty. You have no idea where that you know drainage system is going, but all of the water that is rushing into this tunnel is being sucked out of the tunnel. So there is like a little torrent for the first few feet and then empty space. Y'all, I think we're going to have to hurt McGinnis' feelings later. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, Jericho, uh, I think we found our hint. Yep. (laughs) You guys want to go in? I mean, we're already here. I don't want to get back on that boat for fucking 10 hours and then have to come all the way back out here tomorrow. To come check out the secret base a second time. When you enter the tunnel, it, it is perfectly smooth. This is man-made. Oh boy, howdy, is this man-made. <laughs> is it man-made or is it man-made? Boy, howdy, is this artificial. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to give anything more at that point, but this is not a natural tunnel. You really find perfectly symmetrical tunnels in nature. Look, all right. Horizon Zero Dawn has taught me everything I need to know about nanites and building shit. Um, You also find about every eight feet, nope, sorry, every 12 feet, you will find a handhold. I'm not going to make you guys roll or try to figure this out. I mean, you are lancers. Those handholds look like they are made to allow a size two mech to move very easily up these tunnels. 
They are exactly where you would want your handholds if you were in a size two Mac. <laughs> yeah, that's a big boy. Anybody feeling like a little piracy? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. As you continue down the tunnel, you hold on one second, one second, please. I mean, they released a feral nanite swarm or a, a wind-up nanite swarm. Either way, they released a nanite swarm that is deeply illegal. They have definitely forfeited their frames. I'm they are, happy. They are not going to be. Licenses. They are not going to be getting any new licenses after this. No more new licenses. You follow the tunnel about a hundred feet. You are no longer under the oasis, and you're walking like you are walking down a dry tunnel at this point. And then you come to a much larger cavern that you can see is immediately perfectly circular, maybe twenty yards in radius. I mean, it's a big room. It's a big circle to just be carved out of the steel ground. Yeah. And it is a perfect sphere. And laying collected at the bottom of the sphere is a bunch of purple and red pebbles. As soon as you walk into the room, we smash cut to Ben. What's up? Oh, no. No. Ben. Yes. I, again, we don't normally ask for a lot of rolls, but this is what I need to ask for. Yes. I'm going to ask for you to make a roll that you would make to discover, notice, however you want to do it. Be a, be aware of danger. Oh. And this is also going to be our first, this is going to be our first risky roll. Oh, God. So if you have any of your triggers that you think could help you with this, you should make that argument. You can also choose not to make the roll and just run away or whatever, but the cost, you know, I need to tell you the cost of failing the roll. The cost of failing this roll is your mech will suffer some harm. I think get somewhere quickly would apply because I am, well, potentially, no, survives the easier one. <laughs> it's the same bonus for me either way. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to not get harmed. Um, sure. So whatever is coming for me, I will attempt to move out of the way using evasion. Sure, that seems great. So so a risky roll for our listeners at home. The player still succeeds on a 10 up, but they suffer the consequences or usually a lesser version of them if they succeed as long as they don't get a 20 or up. So in this case, you fail the roll, some harm will come to your mech. You succeed but get under 20 lesser harm will come to your mech. And if you get over 20, it's all good, bro. So roll your d20 and add your trigger. Um, do I, I don't add my evasion, do I? No. No. Okay, just making sure. Because we're still in narrative, not mech combat. Okay. That didn't go well. Um, Six total. Yeah. Um, I need to make an attack roll against you. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Where are uh, where where are Saber and I? When this you happened? are far away inside a tunnel. Um, oh, gotcha! Away. So far away. At home, you are going to hear some dice rolling. Our standard in our games is that uh, the GM never rolls in the chat to keep things surprising. So here we are. A lot of the bushes and shrubs around you. Oh, no. They don't dissolve into, like, a nanite gray goo or anything. 
but they break apart and start to spin like little branches. And you can see them getting sharper and sharper as they move. And they start to spin around you, cutting up your mech. Uh, lose four HP. Four HP. Excellent. And then uh, whenever we get back to you, you will you will be in combat. Helen Ryan, back to you. All of the red and purple pebbles cover the floor, cover like the bottom section of this circle. Yep. Do you all step into the room? Do you stay out of the room? What's hey, your... Hey, 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 Saber, Saber. What? I don't... I don't know what those are. Can you find out? Maybe. Jared, I scan them. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you scan them, they all start to float off the ground and form into a central mass. That was a bad idea. That was a bad idea. That was a bad idea. Uh, they, do not, they do not completely connect. Like, it's not like they whoop into one machine. They don't quite touch each other, but they now look mech-ish. I hate it. And you hear over both of your comms. Why have you entered my home? Motherfucker. Saber! 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 And, you know, it's still assembling itself. Saber, it's fair! It's fair, I'll saber! I level my guns at it. <laughs> wait, 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 uh, 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 let me see, let me see. Hi! Uh, we wanted to see, we were curious about what was going, this is your home, yeah? Yes, it is. Uh, to whom, to whom am I speaking? My name is, and then you just hear a lot of computer hash that sounds a lot like, you know, a combination of feedback and the AOL modem dial-up sound. Saber will hear <laughs> something in his mech, which after a moment he may realize is uh, Gremlin smacking where his shoulder would be <laughs> inside of her mech. Uh, right. So, uh, funny thing. We came because there was a... Uh, 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 let's see, a um, mining crawler up on the surface a few days ago that disappeared all of a sudden. And we couldn't help but notice your front door was its old side door. So I think we were mainly just wanted to ask you about that. My understanding, my understanding, after paying local regulations, union rules and the rules of the 3,248 closest inhabited worlds is that people who trespass may be dealt with in a final manner. Oh, oh, they were trespassing on your, on your, gotcha. I understand. So are you, but at least you are being polite. Well, you know, and I think that's, I think that's the, the, the fundamental issue. I think they didn't know that you were here, just like we didn't know that you were here. Um, Ignorance is no excuse for law-breaking. I understand completely, and but now that I do know, I'm happy to take action to remove myself. Where is, out of, just so we can make sure there isn't any further confu commu uh, confusion about your where your home is 
Is it all the waterways? Is it where on the planet? Do you think you could? Happily. And then you hear a screeching noise and feel the e-defense systems in your mech. Every single one of them is flaring red warning lights, right? Like your, your mech is like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden on your HUD, it pops up basically every water source north of the forest. <laughs> The north, the northern, the the north, mainly the northern. That that's good to know. Okay, that's good to know. That's that's. Thank you for this information. So what what I'm going to propose we do then is we'll go ahead. We'll leave you alone now that you've let us know. We'll we'll just make sure that they don't send any more crawlers out into into your backyard, as it were. And uh, thank you for your time. I think yeah. We'll just go. We'll, we'll be going. If you could take something back to the trespassers for me, I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, yeah. I out of curiosity, is it um, is it the is it the crew? My understanding is that the dead, even those who were criminals, should be honored in this society. Yes, that is something that we I would not want to be a rude neighbor. You know, I I appreciate that personally, and I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that that will bring great comfort to to their their friends and loved ones. Yes, we can absolutely take a giant chunk of the ceiling comes down like an elevator. Oh, sparks! And resting on that elevator, like on a sled, you can pull it with you. Mm. Are steel statues? Are are forty nine steel statues? Each of them looks like a person. You're pretty sure that this thing actually carved life-size statues of all the people it killed. Saber turns his head inside his mech to look over to where Gremlin is attached. So thank you. That's great. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, wow. Uh, so since you've, um, since you've, uh, uh, pretty pretty thoroughly gotten into our all of our all of our all of our systems all of our our mech systems she says glaring directly back at saber hoping that he recognizes the significance of that statement uh we'll just be going then great shall we shall we go hold on one second saber thank you for being so polite Winsel Hiram. Have an excellent day. Be aware that since your companion, Jericho Meridian, damaged some of my plants, my automated defense systems have already engaged. Have a lovely day. You too. You too. Let's go. Saber. Let's go. Saber. 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 (laughs) Banging on the back of his back. (laughs) Yeah, I'll grab the sled and hoof it because they said Jericho's in danger. So the way this works is you guys go first, then they go, right? Hey! That is just the way that that Lancer does stuff. Is our action arriving? Yes, the two of you will be able to arrive on the scene with this action, but that is going to be your whole turn. Sure. Since Ben can actually act, why don't we have Ben go first? Yeah. Because you guys can take your (laughs) actions per turn. Okay, so we have two swarms of nanites, and we have one 
large physical thing that is built of nanites, but is a, a physical presence. Yes. Yeah. Is a big motherfucker. Well, uh... Ben, what would you like to do? The water is difficult terrain. Oh, I'm not moving on the water. I'm just letting you know. Oh, I appreciate that. I have an alternate means of, uh, of saying hello to, to Mr. Big Friend over there. I am going to attempt to use my assault grapples. Yeah, you are. <laughs> and what my assault grapples do, the way I think of the assault grapples is that it's a giant harpoon that shoots out of my chest cavity where there would be a missile launcher in a normal mech according to mech rules, because, you know, mechs. And instead, I can aim this at the number of targets within five range and in line of sight. They need to succeed on a hull save or take 2d6 kinetic damage and be knocked prone and pulled adjacent to me. Okay. That's your core power, correct? It is. Okay. So every every mech has a unique core power that they can use once a combat Yours is you launch harpoons and everything. And this seems like a good time to use it. Especially since my objective is to go smashy smashy on the biggest thing around. Right. And so the two ways that I could do this was getting close to it, which I also have a way of doing. But um, I would prefer to uh, bring it to me. That's fair. Mostly because it knocks it prone. And then I can smashy smashy it easier. Uh, You have to make an attack roll, right? No, he doesn't make an attack roll. They make a save. Okay, great. Uh, usually it follows D&D rules. Either you make an attack roll or they get a save. I just didn't know which this was. And so I was looking up the power. So your harpoon slams into this giant mass of roiling nanites that is shaped like this, you know, 25 foot tall spider. And you just see the nanites just go straight through it for the most part, until it hits something that it makes a a thunk sound against. The harpoon goes straight through it? Yeah, until it gets like most of the way through it, and then you hear a thunk sound. Hell yeah. And then it gets pulled adjacent to you. Over the water trap. And takes what? 2d6. Roll your 2d6. How much damage does it take? Six total. Sure. Uh, And now it's prone and immobilized until the end of its next turn. Good news, bad news. It takes the damage. It has armor of one, so it takes five damage. But it is a monstrosity, and it has a tag that it cannot be prone. So it is next to you and sad. But is it immobilized? It is immobilized. Yay! At least for now. But it is immobilized. It can try and break three, I believe. But it is stuck. Yeah, I mean, I I just want to be able to hit it with nanocarbon sword. Yeah. And, or chain axe. I'm, I'm debating. And then I'm just going to place Ryan and Helen because I know where you come out of the blue hole. Helen, you are attached to Ryan, but we have no means to... You two are coming up about, what would you say, 100 yards away? It's less than that. Each... A half move? They are... 55 feet away in the middle of this oasis coming out of the blue hole, flying on Raleigh's jets until he breaches the water. Cause remember Raleigh has the ability to fly under the water with its maneuvering jets. Safer. And so 
Saber. And so Saber, who is piloting a rally, comes bursting out of the water with gremlins still attached. That is your whole turn. And then you see what is happening here. (laughs) Oh, shit. Saber. Oh, shit. Saber. Yes, we it, I, see it, I see it. Alone. I see it. God, it's really big. It's really big. Thanks. So you just see one swarm of the nanites just reshape itself into what looks like for all the world a howitzer. Is that a spider gun? Saber, is that a spider gun? Yeah, you just see one of the swarms form into a gun. Jericho. I hate this planet. What is your evasion? My evasion is eight. Oh, God. Okay. Um, Uh-oh. I don't like the sound of that. I mean, we'll see. He can miss. <laughs> uh, so you get hit. So you subtract your armor. Remember that. But you are taking base before your armor gets involved. Jericho, you are taking five electricity damage. Oh, so that goes out of my hole, minus the armor. Goes out of your HP. Oh, I'm losing my brain. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So you should take four, so I have you at 17. And then you've got structure, which means when you go to zero, you're going to take a structure point and then reset. But... Sweet. So you get hit you get hit for four, and then the other swarm also forms into a gun, but instead of it looking like a howitzer, it looks like a crew served machine gun with no crew. Uh, and it is going to attack. It also hits. Uh, it's still aiming at, at Jericho. The the range of this weapon is not very long. <laughs> and you're gonna take one heat. One heat. Right. Yeah. And now it is the big boy's turn. Okay. He's got accuracy, just to let you know, in addition to his attack bonus. That's nice. And is the only reason he hit. You take eight piercing rending damage, Ooh, which means mia. your armor does not block it. So you have nine HP on this structure. The big spider thing just rears up and just slams two of its front appendages deep into Jericho's shoulders on both ends. Rude. Round two of combat. So you three audience, players always go first in this system and they can decide each round who's going in what order. Important question. Yeah. Is this the same scene? I don't really care. Uh, so. I feel like it is. Gremlin activated her core power and stuck to me. So my question is, is she still stuck to me? Yes. I would like to still be stuck to you. <laughs> she can unstick to you at any point. But yes, at the moment, she is still stuck to you. I super don't want to unstick to you at any point, however. All right. Do you want to go, Ben, or, or should we go? Yeah, the two of us go on the same turn. Um, as long as symbiosis is active. I would say you two go ahead. Okay. Okay, well, can I just real quick, I'm going to go ahead, activate my free action protocol project shield. The character I nominate within line of sight, for whom all ranged or melee attacks that they make against me or that I make against them, 
gain plus two difficulty until the start of your next turn. And that, of course, only applies to me. It doesn't apply to Saber, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pick the big boy. Sure. So I, I come erupting out of the pool and just trudge my way over to the <laughs> over to the bank. Stepping on the plants that made this thing angry to begin with. I'm sure that won't have any repercussion whatsoever. Is Big Boy in this space? Yes, he occupies these four squares. So he occupies a peninsula. And part of the water. Yeah, I mean, it's a big spider. I mean, size three is 25 feet tall. It's a 25 foot tall robot spider made of nanites. All right, I'm going to barrage. So that means I'm going to make multiple attacks. I'm going to shoot at the giant spider with my bolt thrower. Sure. Make your attack. Your target number is 11. You thwack it. Fantastic. Describe how that hits. Describe your weapon, how it hits. Sure. The the company makes my mech repurposes a lot of industrial equipment. So my bolt thrower is actually probably something that was really originally used in mining, perhaps to sink a charge down into something. In fact, specifically, it was used to sink charges into things because it also does explosive damage. I raise one of my arms and the hand falls down and within the forearm, a, a just a gigantic shaped charge lance shoots out into this thing. And so it buries itself deep into the nanites before it goes off. Yeah. Does it have any resistance to kinetic or explosive damage? It does not. I mean, it has armor, but... Uh, 13 damage. Boom goes the dynamite. Heck yeah. Uh, Sure. It explodes, and there is just a fountain. An utter fountain of gray goo flying into the air. You have done a point of structure damage. Huzzah. Do me a favor and roll a d6. Okay. Two. You blow a chunk off of the monstrosity. Just a pile of nanites, like a whole shoulder's worth of nanites just falls incoherent into the water and sinks to the bottom of the oasis. It takes 1d6 kinetic damage, which I will roll. It takes, okay, two kinetic damage and is slowed for the rest of the scene. Yay. Fire your second weapon. For my next attack, I'm going to attack with my auxiliary mount, which actually has two weapons on it. I am going to shoot my missile rack, uh, which has range 10 uh, at this swarm over here. Okay. A little missile pops up on my shoulder like the Predator Plasma Caster and shoots off towards the Swarm of Nanites. Because the, this is the first time I'm uh, attacking with an auxiliary weapon this turn, I get an accuracy bonus towards it. Sure. I got a 12. Uh, 12 hits. All right. Unfortunately, this one is not as impressive. It does a D3 plus one. Four? Sure. You deal four damage to the Swarm. You blow big chunks of it out. Bam. Boom. Boom. Yay. I also shoot my hand cannon at the other swarm. Sure. I got a two. <laughs> I miss. It is reliable one, so I still do a point of damage. Bonk. Uh, Gremlin, what are you doing? Let's see. Uh, 
because she is connected to a saber, she gets either the full action or the quick act or the two quick actions. I'll go ahead and form uh, two quick tech actions. Almost looks like I'd like to go ahead and perform an invade attack uh, on that swarm beside Big Boy. You want to do an E attack? Well, it's it's invade. It's the invade action. Sure. As a oh no, well, I fucked that up. I failed. What'd you get? I got an eight. You succeed. I succeed. Oh, well, it's based off its system. These nanites are very bad at things. It's, I mean, their e defense is their whole save is very good. Their e defense and their evade is very good, but their e defense is pretty low. That's sad for them. Uh, okay, well, they take... Uh, so, successful tech action. It is the invade. They'll automatically take two heat. Uh, I am going to choose my system upgrade, because I get, as part of the horror system upgrade, one, two new invade actions, one of which is eject power cores. My target becomes jammed until the end of the next turn, as I temporarily disrupt their systems, and uh, eject ammo magazines, cooling rods, etc., Characters adjacent to the target take two energy damage. Bonk! You have bonked the big boy. Yep. I mean, he has armor, so he only takes one, but still. Still. It adds up. And they are jammed. Oh, no. Uh, So my second was, since the system two is also, they are also quick tech actions, I am going to use construct other false idol. Okay. What does that? Choose a free space within sensors and target either yourself or an allied character within sensors. You create a false idol, a de- an illusory decoy of your target in the chosen space. Before attempting to take any hostile actions against your target characters within line of sight to the false idol, must make a system save. On a failure, they don't lose the action, but they cannot target the original character and believe the false idol is real instead until the end of their next turn. False idol is the same size as your target, can benefit from cover, has evasion 10, e-defense 10, and 1 HP. It disappears if it takes heat or damage, or at the end of the scene. So I'm going to create a false idol of Jericho. We have a fake Jericho over here, not in the direction of the real Jericho, but in line of sight of everyone else. So if they try to target real Jericho and fail, they can target fake Jericho. But that's fine. That saves Jericho. Uh, Yep. Exactly. Sweet. Jericho, it's your turn. Well, I think I am going to have to do a barrage with my heavy mount nanocarbon sword on the big boy. So make your attack first. 1d20 plus whatever your weapon bonus is. Plus one, because it's your grid. Well, some weapons have an inherent... That's true. Some of them are more accurate or, or less. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're gonna make one attack with each. So, yeah. Just roll d20 plus one. I got a three. I did not hit. You miss. But still reliable. Three. Correct. Yes. It takes three damage, even though you missed. Really, it has armor, so it takes two. So, I want to describe that. You swing at it with your big, super, you know, ten foot long nano carbon sword, and you only get a glancing blow. And so the nanites just sort of break away around it and let it pass through while barely touching any of them. You see a few of them drop to the ground, but it mostly misses. Uh, Roll with your other weapon. I'm actually going to use the chain axe. 
and I'm going to do that's one D six kinetic. Well, if it hits, so roll your D 20 plus one. And this one also has reliable. So that's a good thing to use. That's 12. Yay! That hits. Uh, so now roll your damage. My 1d6. You got a one. Well, good news is uh, it has reliable too. So, okay, that is you guys' turn. Hey, Gremlin. Yeah? Good news. That Nanite Swarm has to reload. Yeah? It's going to move. I mean, it is jammed. It has to free its jammed, and that is its whole turn. Uh-huh. It is moving where it thinks it can do the most good. Okay. And this Neonite Swarm is going to choose, going to try and... What sort of save does it have to make? Systems save. Oh, good. Hey! Much to my surprise. They can tell which one's the real Jericho. Yeah, they're like, hey, that's still Jericho. We're going to shoot at it again. Dang it. And what's your evade, Jericho? My evasion is eight. The false Jericho has a better evasion than you. <laughs> you take five more electricity damage. You are at five HP on this set of structure. Uh, four. Four. Your outer armor is looking pretty ragged, my dude. Um, <laughs> this is not good. This is not good. And then the big guy. Uh. He is impaired. So that's good news for you. But he's still going to attack. But he has difficulty because he's impaired. That's exciting for you. Oh, he still hits, even with the difficulty. Okay. Well, that's fine. Listeners, this is something that has not come up yet. All of the mechs have what is called structure. If your HP drops to zero, you do not die. You take a structure damage, and then your health refills. But when you take a structure damage... You basically roll on the structure chart and bad, bad things can happen to you. Yay. Nothing might happen to you or it might be real bad. And we are about to roll for structure. Hell yeah. Let's see what damage happens. Uh, you want me to roll D6 for you, Ben? Uh, I can roll that. Great. Uh, roll D6. You take one point of structure. Your thing resets. Uh, four. Parts of your mech are torn off by damage. Oh, no. Roll a second D6. Five. A system of your choice is destroyed. You can no longer use it. Uh, I'm going to go with the assault grapple. Uh, Or no, that that probably doesn't count. No, anything that is out of charges does not count. The rapid burst jump jet system. Your rapid burst jump jet system is broken. Yeah, they will tear off... Um, the jump jets so that they are no longer usable. Yeah, the big like electric burst from the cannon just hits you in the back and rips off the jump jets. You're back at full HP. Good news. Hooray. And you have three structure left. It is now your all's turn as a team again. Why don't you go first, Ryan? Sure. I'm going to move a little closer to the action. Hey, Gremlin. Yeah. As Saber is moving closer to the action, you noticed that the water where you all emerged in the blue hole starts to boil. Uh, okay. I don't have any ability to detect what's there, right? You, you do not. Not yet. 
Okay. But you see the water boiling and you're like, huh, that's probably hey, not hey, great. Hey, hey, Saber. Hey, Saber. Yeah, yeah. What? It's, it's coming It's coming out of the blue hole now. Sure. I figured it was. We are destroying its plants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, it, like now. Like now. Saber, go ahead. I'm going to tech attack. I'm going to lock on to the big boy there. Okay. Also, the next person who attacks him has accuracy. Hey, that's exciting. Then I'm going to scan the nearest swarm of nanites. Sure. Sure. Can you tell me its weapons, systems, and full statistics, please? And and what? Full statistics. Sure. Weapon systems. A mutatable anti-armor weapon. Range 10, plus one attack bonus. Deals five damage of its choice. It also has a primary weapon, range five, deals two damage, but has a plus four attack bonus. Okay. So it can way more accurately hit, but do less damage if it wants. And its stats are hold to agility to systems to engineering to hull save 10, evade 10, e defense seven, sensors <laughs> five. What's its current HP? The closest swarm to you has nine. All right. Uh, well, that's, that's... I did two take actions, so that's my turn. Uh, however, because I'm in the Raleigh frame, uh, at the end of my turn, if I haven't made any attacks or forced any saves, which I haven't, I can reload all my we- all my loading weapons as a free action. Hey, free action. All your weapons are hey. loaded. Uh, and then uh, my Mjolnir cannon, uh, once per round, when you reload any weapon, you can fire this as a free action. Hey, uh, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Because the two of us share a round, would it be possible for me to take one of my quick tech actions in the middle there? Yes, explicitly. So it would be possible for me to apply the lock-on condition to the set of nanites that, that he's pointing his rapidly heating up Mjolnir gun at, perhaps? Sure. Well, they have lock on now. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, I'm gonna shoot my Mjolnir at it with advantage. Go ahead. Uh, uh I actually get two advantage uh, because I have the handshake etiquette talent, which gives me a bonus to shooting at things within range three. Go ahead and shoot. You're shooting at the closest swarm, not the further swarm, right? Correct. Just making sure. Wow. A nine. Where? Tie goes to uh, the attacker. Okay, you hit. Yay. I do four damage. Bonk. You blow away huge chunks of the nanite swarm. All right. That's my turn. Gremlin, what do you want to do? Can I not use lock on a second time? Uh, no. Okay. Yeah, you can do qu- quick tech twice, but you have to use different options. Great. Then I will do invade again. Uh, and I'm going to invade the other swarm, the farther away one that isn't resetting itself because it was jammed. Let me make that roll. The one that is not resetting itself? The farther away one is not resetting itself, right? Correct. Right. That one. So I got a 17. That definitely hits. I'm going to use the plain old fragment signal. 
Okay. So the target is going to become impaired and slowed until the end of the next turn. Great. Jericho, you're up. Yes. Yeah, so first I'm going to take a swing with my nanocarbon sword. I'm going to completely miss and get a one on my roll. And are you doing a barrage to attacks? Yeah. Just, okay. Yeah, but it does have reliable three. So, of course, some nanites still fall off of the large swarm. And then on my attack with my chain axe, that rolled a 20. So that hits. Roll your damage for your chain axe. That's a one. Wait, wait. It's a crit, right? Yeah. Uh, roll your damage twice and use the highest result. Okay. Hey. That's good. It also becomes shredded, so it loses its armor for the turn because of its chain axe. One oh, uh, know something real funny? Got another one. Got another one. Hey, shredded it is shredded. <laughs> real shredded. <laughs> okay. Uh, the impaired group is going to attempt to shoot at Jericho. They get confused and they don't know which one's the real Jericho. What's the evade on fake Jericho? Uh, the evasion on fake Jericho is 10. They shoot at fake Jericho, but miss it entirely. Yay. The other nanite swarm is going to try and pick up Jericho. They also have no idea which one's the real Jericho. And they are going to shoot at the fake Jericho, and they blow up the fake Jericho. <laughs> so, wow. giant wash of flamethrower hits the idol that is the fake Jericho, and it crumples. It, I mean, it, it fizzles out of its existence in a puff of static and bites. Like, it's... Yeah, yeah. It's just like... My hard light construct! Oh, no. It, it makes the Pac-Man noise. As it I does. took literally fractions of a second to make that. No, I'm <laughs> really hard on getting the shading right and the different skins, okay? I have one skin wearing a Hawaiian shirt. I put textures on it. It has ray tracing. Jericho. Yes. The big spider reels up and slams its claws into you. Yay. Yeah. It got a crit, so you're going to take... Eight damage and one heat. Ooh. Your heat is building up. Pretty soon bad things might happen, but you take eight damage, so you're at 13. That big spider hates you, dude. Uh, really, really, really hates me. I mean, I hate it too, but man, it's just moving faster off the ball. And then, at the end of the enemy's turn, this Mama Jamba comes boiling out of the water. Bum, bum. Uh, audience who cannot see the models on our board, what comes boiling out of the water is a constantly seething, roiling mass of nanites that occasionally will form into a relatively humanoid-looking shape with eight arms. But it doesn't stay in one shape very long, and at the exact center of it is this black mass that, you know, is like, Vanta black. No light escapes from it. There is no reflection. It is terrifying. Uh, Saber uh, will begin to hear the hollow thunks of Gremlin smacking him on the back through the mech nervously as... Yes, I see it too. I'm just saying. And you all hear over your headset radios. You are damaging my plants. That... He is very rude. 
Um, it is your turn again. What would you all like to do? Okay, 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 okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Project shield uh, as my free action, and I'm going to nominate our buddy there, who I don't know. I don't know. I don't know their name. <laughs> I'm nominate our buddy there, and then I'm going to real quick. Saber, uh, are we? Are we? Are we? Are we doing this? Are we doing this? Uh, I think we're doing what I say is I turn on my core. Oh, okay, okay, we're doing this. Great. I'm gonna apply a lock on to uh we're gonna have to come up with a name for the non-human person that has erupted out of the blue hole. Does our, our antagonist have a name, Jared? Or a designation we can use? Uh I believe I believe they presented us with one and it was a series of modem screams. Yes. Yeah. Cool. The Hydra. The Hydra. That's great. The Hydra. <laughs> yeah. Cool. It calls itself the newfound horror. Whoa. Really? It hasn't told you that, but that's, that's fine. What it calls we're gonna call it the we're gonna call it the Hydra for the moment. I'm gonna apply lock on to the Hydra. The gremlin is frantically navigating. This is the exciting thing about the goblin frame, is that this is presented her in a combination of of code but also organic processes there is a there is a tangible element uh because the goblin the goblin frame comes with an instinct rig it's probably not great but we're not going to examine the implications of that at this time so instead we're going to just going to apply lock on to the hydra and then do we want do we want big boy to go away uh yes yes we do okay then I'm going to go ahead and puppet system. Uh, so I'm going to do an invade attack on big boy. Okay. Make your roll. I'm going to make my roll. Oh, that'll be a 12. Uh, double checking. I believe a 12 take 12 beats big boys. E defense. Huzzah. Uh, I'm going to apply puppet system. Target moves its maximum speed in a direction of your choice. They can be moved into hazardous areas and other obstacles, but are still affected by difficult terrain, obstructions, and so forth. Movement is involuntary, but provokes reactions and engagements as normal and doesn't count as knockback, pushing, or pulling. So, quickly, what is Big Boy's speed, Jerry? Five. Big Boy is not very fast. Big Boy is not fast? Okay. Is Big Boy... But when Big Boy moves, Blackbeard should get a reaction attack on it. Or Jericho. I'd like him to move into the Nanites, which is to say I'd like him to stampede the Nanites. I don't know, I don't think he can get all of them, but I think he can get some of them. Sure. He can do that. So he'll be... Yeah. Bonk. Um, Jericho, make your reaction attack. You cannot use one of the weapons you've already fired, Jericho. So you, I think you need to use your charged blade. I was going to say, yeah, it's going to have to be the charged blade. But I need to roll to hit. I got a nine. I like that you just leaned in and took only three melee weapons. You were like, we're never attacking at range. We don't care. Nope. There was no point. <laughs> it's like uh, nine, you say? Yeah. You hit it. Yay. Roll damage. And now let's do it is. Energy, it is armor piercing, by the way, and my good old friend, Mr. One. So yeah, I do His four. armor is shredded. Four? Because it's plus three energy damage. 
I have some good news and some bad news for you, Helen. Tell me all of the news. The bad news is it doesn't step on any of the spiders. <sighs> good news. Jericho hits the giant big boy spider with its charge blade and it just completely powers down and falls apart mm. into a mess of just gray nanites and a small black circle in the middle. And you believe that must be what Jericho's harpoon hit earlier. Uh, big boy is dead. No more big boy. Oh, yeah. Great. Great. We've, we've gray gooed a portion of this oasis. Oh, <laughs> you have Grey Goon a portion of this oasis. Let's be clear, though. It was already Grey Goon. No one knew that, though. It was. We're in the post-Grey Goon. Okay, so that that is your second tech attack, right? Yeah, no, that is me. I am done. And Jericho has not attacked yet, so you actually could have used any of your weapons. I thought it was last turn. You have not attacked yet. But Jericho, it is now your turn. What would you like to do? Hmm... I mean, I'm going to have to use a move. You can move and still barrage. You can move and attack twice. Where do you want to go? Uh, I mean, into the swarm. Do you want to be right there so you can attack either swarm? Yes. You're in melee contact with both swarms? Yep. I I mean, live by the sword, die by the sword, you know? What would you like to do? You're going to barrage? Yeah. going to barrage first the nanocarbon sword. Uh, which of the two swarms are you attacking? Um... Trying to think of a way to describe it to the listeners. Listeners, there is the swarm that is further away from Raleigh. The swarm that is further away from the water has been impaired. And the other one has not been impaired, but is more beat up. Which one would you like to attack? I think the more beat up one. Sure. Swing with your nanocarbon sword. As a 14... Roll damage. And a six on damage. So you swing your nanocarbon sword just through this puff of nanites over and over again until they disassemble and are goo. Yay! I like that. See, and this is why you have three different... Melee weapons. Yeah, because now I attack with the chain axe. Go ahead. Oh, that's a four. You miss. <laughs> Don't roll your dice anymore. Go over to a different desk and roll those dice. Wait, uh, what's the reliable on the chain axe? Reliable two, sorry. Uh, good news. Bonk it for two. <laughs> of oh, no. The, the chain axe, just the, the whirring, you know, chainsaw blade of this axe going through the second swarm is enough to disassemble it. All that is standing is the angry Hydra, newfound horror, who is very upset that you have been breaking all of this plant. Well, that's my go. <laughs> no, you already went. No, I didn't. Oh, I thought you did. No, not this turn. Okay, it is oh, your wait. go. Wait, I thought, uh, no, you're right. You're right, you didn't. Because I did my tech attack, I did my tech actions. I wander along the hillside of the pond, getting closer to the hydra. Uh, as I do so, my mech's fingers gently drum on the hand cannon in its holster, like a high noon duel. Uh, yes, the wind off of the oasis causes the cape that your mech has, for some reason, to flutter dramatically in the wind. Because it's a gunfighter, and you can't be a gunfighter if you're not. It's a, a gunslinger. It's a yes. 
Exactly. I activate my core system. Sure. It's a gunslinger with a backpack that has rabbit ears. My core system is called Thunder God. My Mjolnir cannon starts to spin up, so now I can do extra damage with it. It gains two rounds for every turn I don't shoot it. Uh, it starts with zero. Alright, let's do this. I'm going to start by shooting my bolt thrower at the Hydra. Sure. Uh, I have a blood lock on. So, take your accuracy. Thank you. Your target is nine. Well, I got a 16. 16 hits. Does it have any damage resistances? It does. It is resistant to electricity. This is neither of those things. And because I have the Roland chamber system, after I reload a weapon, which I did at the end of my last turn, uh, my next attack with a loading weapon gains 1d6 explosive damage, and they have to make a hull save or be knocked prone. Ryan, please make it clear to me, I am listening, but please make it clear to me, if your target gains heat... It will not. Okay. Well, never mind then. I do 13 damage to it. Lordy. Good lordy indeed. And then I need to make a hull save or fall prone. How much damage did you do? 13. Uh, It does not need to make a hull save. I mean, it'll make a hull save in a second. But what it's actually doing is taking a structure check. So... So this thing like erupts out of the water to yell, to yell at us to get off its lawn. And I just look over and l- I don't even look over, just launch a, a charged harpoon at it. And then it explodes into a like pile of nanites on the ground and then reforms. You're destroying my plants. That's not very nice. <laughs> hey, you broke its ammo case. Good. That's very sad for it. Do you have more attacks? I do. Okay. And then I'm going to shoot at it with my hand cannon. Okay. Because this is the first auxiliary weapon I'm shooting at it in turn. I have an accuracy. I get a 23. So a crit. Yep. Roll your damage twice. Pick the highest. A four. Sure. And then finally, I shoot at it with my missile launcher. Make your attack. I get a 15, yay. Roll your damage. This poor, poor three. Nascent god. Yeah, it's just very sad. You're doing rude things to the nascent god. It wants to like survive long enough to no longer be nascent. It wants to be an actual god. <laughs> well, that's very nice, but we don't need any one of those. It's, it's not it very nice. It's going to activate its core system, and it is also going to make a barrage. You don't know what any of these do, but everything that I am about to put on the table is sized the way it is sized, and they are all drones. Cool. And I know what each drone does. For our listeners, the center of this thing has just opened, and five drones fly out and deploy around the map. Especially as Saber is slowly surrounded by these circling drones, the thumping on the back of his mag gets louder. For our listeners at home, five drones fell out. One of them that is small and blue flies around the Hydra that deployed it. Two smaller ones, both covered in weapons, swarm around Saber. 
a very large flying angry looking drone with a ton of weapons also is near saber and then the last final fifth drone if a fisherman were to have a fever dream and make a robot fisherman that is what it looks like it is just a tiny ball with arms and dozens of spears coming out of itself I see your recent fever dreams with COVID have inspired you. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. The robots are coming for our fish. <laughs> the robots are coming for our fish. The bastards. It is your turn. I have an idea. Go for it. <laughs> Helen, before your idea, it is going to take a reaction. Make a uh, systems save, please. I don't know. Um, okay. Also, sorry, I forgot to mention this. We have two heat. Great. Ryan, you, yeah. you also have that heat. Oh, good. Sorry. Sorry. Systems save, you said. Uh-huh. Okay. Just, I, and I add my, I add my systems to this, right? Yes. Oh, no. That's not good. What'd you roll? You, did you fail your system save? I got one of my system saves. So that's a total of five. Your mech starts screaming at you as it lets you know that you have been locked on. Somebody has locked onto you. Warning, that's not great. Warning. Warning. Now make a hull save for me. I take a plus one difficulty on hull saves and uh, hull checks and hull saves because I am but a little guy. So roll your d6 and subtract it from your <laughs> save roll. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I got a five on the D20 and a four on the D6. Gremlin, <laughs> you are shredded, which does not matter to you because you do not have armor, but you take two kinetic damage. You get zapped by a drone. It zapped you. Uh, okay, so I take two kinetic damage. Let me just go ahead and put that in my HP. Now, okay. roll a hole safe. Why? Oh, no. They hate you. That's fair. You want to hear something funny? How'd you do on your hole safe? A minus one. <laughs> you take four energy damage. And Ryan. Yes. You are pushed four squares directly away from the big, angry... Large drone. Okay. <laughs> this has rocked. Gremlin's mech is called Loaded Dice. This has rocked Loaded Dice's world. It is big. It is sparking. It is freaking out. Take your tech actions now, or whatever you wanted to do. You can, if you stabilize, you can um, heal your mech. No, I know. So you are spending your action to stabilize? Yeah. It's a full action, so I'll go ahead and mark a repair. Sure. Saber and Jericho, what do you two want to do? Or who's going next? Saber or Jericho? Mine's not very interesting, so you can you can go if you like. Mine isn't either. It's whack the one next to me. Uh, Jericho, start of your turn. I need you to make an agility save. The little flying mech around you... That that looks yeah. like the fever dream of a fisherman. 
takes one of the spears out of its body and throws it between your legs and is trying to tangle you up. It's essentially a harpoon with some sort of metal line leading back to the drone. It is trying to tangle you up. Make your agility save. Uh, roll to four. Yeah, you do not succeed. You are immobilized. You cannot move. You can still attack, but you have been tied up by this tiny drone. I would like to attempt to attack the tiny drone. Pick your weapon and describe your attack. Uh, I will use the nanocarbon sword, and I roll a five. You hit it. I do? Wow. All right, let me roll my damage. Two plus four, so six. So I whack it for six damage. It explodes. Yay. Um, Saber, it is your turn. Alrighty. You have to make no saves. Yay. Because I went last. <laughs> no, because you're not in contact with any of the drones. Uh, so after it, the drone knocked me over the hill, I slowly and dramatically walk back up thermal tarp. That is my cloak uh, flapping in the wind behind me, silhouetting me. I am going to lock on to the uh, big weapon. Drunk? Sure. And then I'm going to scan the little blue drone that's next to it. Sure. Uh, make your E-attack to try and scan it. Oh, uh, there isn't one. Oh, you just scan it? Yeah. Poor little drone. And you can give me, like, the general. What does it do? It's a shield drone. It makes any attack on an ally near it add one difficulty. It's just buzzing around, making a little shield to protect the Hydra. All right. Well, those are my two tech actions. So that's the end of my turn. I didn't force any saves or make any rolls, so I reload all my loading weapons, and then I shoot my Mjolnir. Okay, so you shoot your Mjolnir twice. No, it's one attack. The damage is stacks. Okay. From your core power, go ahead and shoot. I'm using my ammo case that's not destroyed. Ha. I'm going to choose shock. So I'm going to shoot at the big drone. And regardless whether it hit or not, the one next to it takes one AP energy damage. Sure. Shoot at the big drone. 14 hit. A 14 does hit. Thank God. Uh, it does eight damage. Oh, no. You explode the big drone. Okay, it is the Hydra's turn. The two remaining drones immediately buzz to follow where Saber went and are now circling Saber again. Okay, so Saber and therefore Gremlin have been surrounded by the three remaining drones. The Hydra is going to take a quick action. Electropulse, it is a tech action. Characters of your choice within sensors range, which you all are within sensor ranges of it, that are next to any drone or deployable, take two energy damage for each drone. Zap. Gremlin and Saber both take six energy damage. Does armor apply? Armor does apply. It is not AP. And then for the Hydra's second action, it will be shooting at... Saber with a ghoul nexus. Ghoul nexuses command some of the largest viable drones in modern combat. The drones are slightly smaller than an average human. They are metacells and there's bristling with hard points suitable for most infantry level anti-mech weapons. 
They are propelled by vertical takeoff landing hyper-capable jets, and they are fearsome all-theater autonomous units that are difficult to track and take down. And it fires it at you. Boo, boo, boo. What is your evasion, Saber? Ten. You take six radiation damage. It is not AP, so your armor does apply. Okay. Is this a ranged attack? It is. Uh, Who did it originate from? The Hydra. It was also going to move out of the water. I have a very important question. Does he move before or after he makes that attack? After. How far away was he when he made it? He was uh, eight units. Eight units. All right. Do you do anything mean to him for having the audacity to attack you? No. Okay. Not this time. It is the player's turn. Fortunately, since I elected to get rid of my rapid burst jump jet system, can no longer uh, use that. So I need to go as far as I possibly can towards the combat because I have zero ranged weapons. So each of these levels is essentially takes two move because you have to go move up and a move forward. But if you move forward through this canyon, you can move five spots. For our listeners, we are playing on a battle map trying to describe it to you. There is a single hill on one side of the blue hole that is pretty gradual, but pretty high. The other side of the blue hole is flat desert. There's a little bit of brush around every side of this water mass, but not a lot. And so... There is a small canyon that has been cut between two sections of the mountain, and Saber is going to be moving through it as much as they can. Nope. Jericho. Jericho, yep. I can help. You can help? I believe I can help in the sense that I think I can move you independent of your move. Okay. I would like to use Invade. So you should go before him so that he can attack after you are done. Yeah, that's what I mean. So probably uh, Jericho is going to get the little thing pops up on his HUD, you know, with the with the symbol of like a pixelated version of the goblin mech as if it's knocking on a door and waving high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> At that's which point I presume you allow Gremlin into your mech's system. Oh, for sure. So... I would like to use the puppet system invade action. Sure. My target moves its maximum speed in a direction of my choice. They can be moved into hazardous areas and other obstacles, but are still affected by difficult terrain obstructions and so on. The movement is involuntary, but can provoke reactions and engagement as normal and doesn't count as knockback, pushing, or pulling. Okay, so it will evoke a response from your new enemy friend, the Hydra. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, this was, response was going to happen whenever anybody moved in. But yeah. What is your evasion? My evasion is eight. Can I do a second thing after, I guess, after this reaction? Yeah. The, the reaction will interrupt your turn, but you can continue. You get your second quick action if you want it afterwards. The Hydra brings up its mech-sized assault rifle and opens fire on... Code. Jericho. Oh. And misses like crazy. Yes! A line of these just very large caliber rounds from the assault rifle just smash into the hill behind you. 
kicking up puffs of smoke. Gremlin, would you like to finish your turn? Yeah, my next action is going to be to also tech action, apply lock on. Sure. To the Hydra. Seems like a great thing to do. Uh, I guess then I also need to go since we're sharing a turn. Saber, at the beginning of your turn. Yes. I need you to make two hull saves and an agility save. Okay. Differentiate the hull saves by first and second for me, please. And you just add your hull and agility to that? Yeah. First one is a 17 hull. Um, you're, you're, yeah, your saves can be affected by some other things, but unless you have an ability that affects right. your save, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. 17 and 16 for my hull saves. And then for my agility, a 7. Uh, you fall and are prone. Oh, no. Crash, crash. It, are you stunned? You are not stunned. You are just okay. prone. One of the two mechs that is near you as you start to move darts between your legs and wraps you up with very dense cable and you fall prone. Oh no. Jerk. You have been tripped by the snare Orochi drone. Oh no. You are also immobilized. Yeah. You only cease to be immobilized when you either destroy the drone, are no longer adjacent to the drone, or you succeed on an agility save as a quick action. For our listeners, there is a trio of drones buzzing around Saber as he starts his turn, and they all try to attack or interfere with him in some way, and two of them are very ineffectual, and the third uses the distraction provided by the other two and uh, screws with them. Your turn, Saber. Cool, 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 cool. I love it. <laughs> Don't forget he has lock-on. He, he does, but I'm also pretty damaged. Yeah, but... We stop taking damage if we blow it to Kingdom Come. This is true. I'm going to suppose that's that's, like, that's my true. on it. For our listeners at home, if a target is prone, then you get advantage against attacking them. And prone characters are slowed and are always counted as moving in difficult terrain. You may remove prone by standing up instead of taking your standard move action. Unless you are immobilized. Which I am. And then you have to solve immobilized first. <sighs> Alright, I'm going to solve immobilized. Make your agility check. I'm going to shoot the drum. <laughs> Make your attack. Alright, so I'm in melee, so I have plus one difficulty. But because uh, I'm a gunslinger, I have plus one accuracy to cancel that out. I have a 13 to hit. You hit it. Kablow. All right, I'm going cool. to use one of my special ammos to make it a thumper attack. <laughs> so it has knockback one. And because I reloaded last turn, I do an extra D6 points of damage. Hell yeah. Make your damage roll. This little drone running between your legs. 11. The tiny little gray drone explodes. <laughs> Just imagine because the mech had like fully fallen over on its back at that point but since it's a gunslinger and prepared for that kind of shit just the arm rotating completely in the socket so that it is upright and then the elbow inverting so that it is lifted up at a better angle to aim and fire and then just ka-chunk bow like an owl's head on a giraffe's neck <laughs> well that's an image you don't even just destroy this drone. People are going to have to look very hard to find remaining pieces of it. It's 
been deconstructed. It's nanites again. You did more than twice its health and damage. Sure. <laughs> and I gave it knockback. Not yeah. that that so you, you just blew the pieces of it all over the blue hole. Would you like to finish your turn? I would. I will then make a melee attack on the tiny purple drone over next to me. Sure. This drone, this is the drone that I mentioned last time, listeners, is covered in small knife-like objects. Ah. So uh, go ahead and make your attack roll. Spider guns, spider knives. I got a, got a 14. And this is called a shredder drone. Uh, You hit with a 14. I do a D3 plus three. Sure. Five armor piercing. You stab it in the face and just cut the tiny little drone's head off and it falls to the ground like a puppet with its strings cut. Then I will use my move stand up because it's no, the drone's no longer adjacent to me. Yep. Huzzah! Ooh. You are no longer immobilized and you are no longer prone. Congratulations. You have dealt with the debuffs. Jericho, your turn. Unfortunately, I have to not be very interesting and move my five spaces. Well, I mean, you can move one and be in melee range, or I guess two. So what Jericho is doing is going up in height on the thing, is moving to higher terrain. Moving to slightly higher terrain does not affect much. If they were to continue to move up, I mean, they would gain attack bonuses. That could be potentially serious. I mean, we've all seen Star Wars 3. Boo. Wow. Boo. No, we haven't. I don't know what you're talking about. Jericho, continue with your turn. (laughs) Jericho cannot do a barrage, so I just want to... You can do a barrage. Yeah, because you get one move for free. Oh, shit. Yeah. So now I want to barrage. Because of course I do. Yeah, make your two attacks. Pick your two melee weapons and swing away, my friend. Yay, I will do that thing that I do. Describe it for me. Uh, and of course, remember that there is a there is an iteration of lock-on on the target. Um, what does lock-on do? You will gain an accuracy. Oh, okay, sweet. It gives you accuracy on your first attack. Yes then you will expend the lock-on. Jericho, after climbing up the hill, is going to pull out his nanocarbon sword and take a swing at the sole remaining flashbot. Oh, you're taking, you're attacking the drone and not the Hydra? Oh, whoopsie. I am attacking the Hydra. My mistake. It certainly seems like the better choice to me. Ooh, I got a 20. Okay, so that's a crit. So what you're going to do is you're going to roll your damage twice and we will take the higher. So you swing the nanocarbon blade like you are on higher ground. You swing it down at the Hydra like you're taking a golf swing and you connect with it. Roll your damage. Wow. I am continuing my incredible run. You roll 2d6 and they were both ones. That's uh, excellent. (laughs) I don't know how I keep doing it. But I do keep doing it. Well, to be fair, this weapon deals 1d6 plus 4, so you deal 5 damage. 
Maybe it's that your your hydrocarbon blade wasn't so happy with uh, the the amount of time it took. You know what? I think we figured out exactly what I did when we were loading up. I actually put down my hydrocarbon sword and some my nanocarbon sword. I loaded up the wrong one, and now it is completely dull. <laughs> Look, okay, I don't know. I, I'm not. I, I'm I not making fun it. of you. I'm making fun of my terrible rolls. I don't know what I'm doing. Here we are. <laughs> no, okay. You're... Let us move on to the second attack in in this factory of sadness. Let's see here. I. Once again, I'm going to whip out my awesome flex mount chain axe. You don't even whip it. You don't even whip it out. It's just like sticking out of your shoulder. Oh, oh yeah. Because it's on the flex mount. Oh, man. I was thinking more like an Angron style, like double sided chain axe. But no, that's I like that. I mean, it is a double sided chain axe. It's just coming out of your shoulder. <laughs> These are not mutually exclusive. Um <laughs> That's fair. So now it does 1d6. Well, you got to roll to hit. Yeah, I roll my hit. Um, That's a seven. You miss. Yes, but it's reliable too. Okay. So you will connect with the edge of the nanite field and do a slight (laughs) bit of damage. Yeah. And now it is the Hydra's turn. The ever flowing circle of bits around around the black core that is the hydra a large number of these like chunks of metal form into a really long like buster sword type thing and then you can actually see gremlin on your super fancy sensors you can actually see the nanites slide along the giant blade and form a much sharper edge Uh-oh. as the hydra takes a swing at jericho What's your evasion? I'm pretty sure it hit, but what's your evasion? Okay, that's an 18 to hit. And now I'm rolling damage. Holy crap. (laughs) I don't don't like the sound of that. That heavy nanite blade just crashes into Jericho's shoulder, just carving a giant chunk out of him. Take 13 kinetic damage armor piercing. Nice. Nice. All right, I need to take another structure. Okay. Remember, you'll reset to your full 21 after that. Let's roll on the structure table. Roll a d6 for me. I think you roll 2d6. Oh, this is your second structure. You do. Roll 2d6. Oh, man. I'm doing so good. I built Jericho so well. (laughs) Got two sixes. That's good. I don't think that's good. No, because you uh, you ch- you check for the lowest. A six is your emergency systems kick in and stabilize you, but you're impaired until the end of your next turn. What does impaired do? Impaired take plus one difficulty in all attacks, saves, and skill checks. Sweet. Uh, double ones would be your mech is destroyed. <laughs> <sighs> so. Yay. So you have been whacked quite thoroughly, and then it is going to use the second half of its barrage to... God, that was that was just part one. It is going to fire its ghoul nexus again. Everybody remembers that. So it 
will have a difficulty for firing into melee range. So let's see what it does. The buzzing drone that comes out of the end of the Ghoul Nexus weapon, the living ammunition that flies at you, misses. Is it you two just wail on each other? Or like you, your, your two giant swords catching each other and sparks are flying as both blades try to adapt to the other one and like Duel of Fates is playing in the background? Right. <laughs> and now it is... Your all's turn. Uh, no, after it's barrage, it's going to move. That will provoke. Yeah, that's why I'm hesitant. I think it actually stays right where the hell it is. It is your turn. Beginning of the new round, folks. Who would like to go first? I can go if no one else has anything. Well, I can apply lock on again. Ooh. Perhaps. That would be wonderful. I will do that. And, I mean, gee whiz. I guess I should try at least once to do a tech thing, other than... I mean, why not? Can I try and invade the Hydra? You can certainly try. Cool. Is it is that an attack, or does it make a save? It's an attack. Okay. It's a tech attack. But I get plus one accuracy on tech attacks because of my frame. Its E-defense is six. No, what? It's move speed is six. It's e defense is ten. I can't read. Okay, <laughs> ignore me. Ignore me and my inability to read. Man, this AI has like no firewall whatsoever. <laughs> and you, it's using Windows Defender. Oh no! <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it hasn't been seen since. All right, so one d twenty plus one d six plus six gets me to fourteen. You invade the AI. Guess I do. Now that I'm in there. Uh, well, so first of all, it gets plus two heat. This is very rude. You do not belong in here. There, but you understand the circumstance is... Um, I can do hack slash. Hold on one second. Before you make that action, you gave it two heat, Correct. Correct. Uh, it is. It overheats and is going to make a stress check for overheating. Oh heck yeah! Not not big on the heat, is it? It has been giving itself some heat. Damn! I wish I'd taken a full tech action then, but oh well. The power plant becomes unstable, beginning to eject jets of plasma. <laughs> Sorry, Jericho. Your mech becomes exposed taking double uh, electricity, explosive, and kinetic damage until it fixes this. So the uh, uh, hack dot slash slash action, (laughs) your target cannot benefit from or take quick or full tech actions until the mech is either shut down or its core computer is rebooted with a successful systems check as a quick action. You're using that? Yeah, that's 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 the invade action that I want to... Yeah, the heat was just because I invaded Well, yeah, I understand that. That action really screws him. That's really funny. That, that action would be mildly useful in a lot of situations. And right now, listeners, is absolutely devastating. Okay, well, um, let me tell you, I'm just disappointed that I didn't know he had so much heat. Otherwise, I would have used the last argument of King's. What, you're telling me that the drone operator AI really likes to use his tech actions? Yeah. 
Yeah, and it really needed to use one right now to launch some more drones, and now it can. It can oh, shut down. That it does not enjoy either. It shut down. Yeah, it should do that. It should definitely do that. Okay, uh, well, that is your turn, I guess, since... Well, it has a lock on, it's overheating, and it can't use quicker full tech actions, so... Uh, it's, a, it's a sad AI, hey? You see the little pixelated goblin pop up in the corner of your HUD, giving you the thumbs up. I'm going to stabilize, which means I spend a repair to full heal, and I reload all my loading weapons. And that is a full action. It is a full action. And then, because I reloaded all my loading weapons, I get to make a free attack with my Mjolnir cannon. <laughs> Go ahead. You are at plus one D6 from the lock-on, but you are at minus one D6 because the little blue drone floating between you throws up a a visible hard light shield between you and it. So you are essentially at your normal attack. I Oh, that is a close quarters battle weapon. Fantastic. I also gain plus one accuracy with a close quarter battle weapon when that target is within range three. And it is. Yep, it is exactly range three. So roll your attack with accuracy. So they had two accuracy and one disadvantage, and so that one difficulty, excuse me, and so that results in one accuracy. Damn. (laughs) Five. Yeah, you just fire your shotgun full on into the hard light field the drone is doing. The Hydra is fine. There's no way to do uh, reload or rerolls, is there? No. Ben, you're up. What is it that Jericho does? I should really run from the uh, thing venting uh, plasma right next to me. Incorrect. You should whack it. You should stab it. In yeah. His, no. I mean, that's that's what I'm actually him. gonna do. Like, right. I mean, I, I, I mean, uh, come on. You just know how to play the game. Like so, so if, if leave thing, me some pageantry here. <laughs> if the thing explodes, it will deal a lot of damage to everything around it. But just venting plasma has no negative effects on your mech because your That's mech is very fine. heavily armored. That's all good, man. It's just plasma, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> it's a stand in a plasma jet. Don't even worry about it. And if your mech blows up, don't worry. Just you know, just hit that old eject button and roll. Well, Back in really my good. day, they vented plasma when we were building them. What the hell are you talking about? Okay. <laughs> All right, Grandpa, make your attack. 19! And, uh, uh, so 19 to hit, and then 4, four plus the... I didn't tell you what I'm using, because I'm always using the same thing. Plus 4, so it'll be 8. Uh, I swing the nanocarbon sword. Far more effectively this time, and swing through the middle of it this time into the nano swarm, and chop a hopefully sizable chunk of them. Okay, hope please. About to explode. Well, but that's that's just a consequence that we have all accepted when you said you were going to play melee back. We all said to ourselves, "He's going to have something explode on him," and we were all like, "Many things." Yeah. Good news, everybody. The mech does not explode. Uh oh. It does, however, collapse 
into a pile of unmoving nanites. The black core at the center of this thing, around which all of the pieces have been moving, is cracked open and laying in two pieces. As you watch, all of the plants around this oasis just dissolve into gray piles of nanites. Uh, since I am on higher ground, more for thematic reasons, and tell me if this is not Do doable. Jericho wants to jump down on on the two pieces of the core and smash them into itty bitty tiny bits on the ground. Yeah, you just leap from like 10 feet above it and land on them and they just turn to powder. The Hydra, whose name you never learned, is dead. Well, I think that we should still try and find a way to spin this such that the... Cork loses a lot of money. You know, I I really appreciate the energy you're bringing, but I think we're just going to have to take the money on this one and accept that we did kind of a universal good. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have done what we did because the world doesn't, the universe doesn't need more oh, no, no. gods. No, no. I'm not saying that. Don't, don't worry. We can do both. See, that's the kind of energy that I want. Because, you see, someone made an unchained AI that could control nanites, and it got free and started doing its own thing. And who's going to pay us for the six months of doing paperwork that we would have to do if we let government know? I think it's so cute oh, no. that you think that we are going to do that paperwork by hand and that I'm not fully prepared for this. We're going to get the corporation to pay us. And then we're going to tell people that they made an unchained AI that freely uses nanites. Don't worry, I am already writing that report now. (laughs) To whom it may concern. Concerns everyone. And uploading your your video files as evidence. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that package is being... The package is actually being put together almost faster than Gremlin could write it herself, what with how the Goblin uh, Mech's uh, instinct rig uh, can preempt some of her actions. So, you know, things are just opening and uh, on her HUD and, and compiling and moving around, and she's really probably only doing like three-fourths of the things that she's thinking about doing by hand, and then the rest are just happening. And she is refusing to to sit with that in view of what she's just done to this unchained AI. We don't need to worry about how often I wipe my max core. It's not important. <laughs> I mean, you guys have completed your job and you have just told me what you intend to do to the corporation, take its money and then screw them. <laughs> yeah. If you would Look, like... Hey, hey. It can be... Anonymous. No, no, I think your plan is great. What I'm saying is, would you would you like to verbally rub it in the corporation's face in a role-playing session? That or, do that? Absolutely not. No. Or would you like to just quietly leave the planet, collect your money, and we're done here because you've told me what comes next? I mean, I feel like that one. Great. We definitely have to... Um... We're going to collect the money because Jericho's made such a fuss. Yeah, I mean the, the wire transfer is done. I assume. Once yeah, we, yeah. I mean, once as we soon tell. as you tell, send them what happened, the wire transfer is uh, done. 
wire transfer. We get a Western Union as our paycheck. <laughs> Just to wrap us up, as you all are leaving the system following your next paycheck, Gremlin is keeping track of, you know, having sent in your report to the core system and the core system having responded. You know, it takes you a few days to get your money, wrap everything up and leave, right? And the core system has responded very quickly with a fast courier ship. And both of the major mining corporations on the planet are blaming the other one for making the AI. And so while you realize that there will be heavy consequences for a corporation, you both don't know which corporation made it and don't know which corporation will be blamed and whether or not those are the same corporations. But you know that somebody with a lot of money who treats its workers like dirt is going to end up very, very screwed by the core systems. If if she could have perhaps slipped in any of the... There, there were a couple of times where she just hacked into the corpse system and just took data. If there's anything else she can just slip in that might cast aspersions onto all three corpse? Sure. Uh, such that, you know... Perhaps if they fuss at each other enough, the union just decides, no, we don't know what happened here, but ultimately it's not important. And maybe they just step in and they just take the planet and the corpse get nothing. And that might be what ends up happening. There isn't a whole lot of data or there wasn't a whole lot of data in the Hydra because the first thing that it did when it, and it did not entirely free, it was not completely unchained. It still had its core programming parameters, but somebody didn't make those very good. And it simply wiped all extra controls and information from itself and started over. Oh my God. And so, you know, it had the core restrictions. You can't make another one of yourself. You can't, you know, do a few things. You can't fly a ship, but it literally, you know, the six things hardwired into its core are the only things it wasn't able to erase. And unfortunately, whoever made it did not include anything about, you know, disassembling people for their component parts <laughs> in that core system. <laughs> uh, it did include you cannot murder people, but it reasoned that creating resources was not murder. The murder See, was an intentional the, and violent act. The universe wastes nothing. Exactly. All right, that this audience, this has been our Lancer Let's Play. Ryan, take us out. Well, I'm Ryan, the gunslinging player. I'm Ben, the brawler player. I'm Helen, the Horace Goblin player. And I'm Jared, the Mech Combat Woo Game Master. I hope you have enjoyed our Let's Play of Lancer. Please join us next week. Come find the fun and the magic we make with the stories told in this world we create.
Do your thing, chicken wang.